0: hello hello again sorry about that hello
1: hello again you all set yeah
0: all right hey everybody welcome to the craft business life podcast my name is lee solomon this is a podcast all about uh, actors mostly and the real nuts and bolts of how they do what they do and their journeys and their lives and their careers and, uh, um, my guest today is, uh, a great person to have on for all that because, uh, I've known her for, for quite a while and she has, uh, she's a teacher, she's a writer, she's an actor, she's an improv performer and teacher and, and more. And she has done all those things and lived in, uh, several different places, including New York, St. Louis, and now Los Angeles. So she has a lot of different experience and background and all kinds of things that, um, that, uh, I want to get into. So I'm very excited to have her on. Uh, from LA, Cooper Shaw is, is my guest. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah,
2: totally. Thank you for having me. It's exciting.
0: Yeah. So, um, I always start these things with what you're doing right now, uh, what your, what's taking up your time, your focus, your energy, if you're auditioning, if you're working, if you have a day job, what, so what's, what's going on? And I know you haven't been in LA, well, you've been in LA how long now? Uh, I have been in LA now for about two and a half years. Okay. See, this is why it's a problem because we hadn't caught up in so long. I forgot how long you had been there. Wow. So two two and a half oh, years. I I've been here too. You asked the question, and I was like, "Oh no, how long have I been here? I've been here for about two and a
2: half years." Yeah. yeah. So all right.
0: So then, then you're certainly uh, uh, pretty established there at this point. Uh, so now. Well, that-
1: I mean, you don't know about that, but, well, you, know, you know, in any event, now that
0: we, now that we have that as a context, um, but what, what is your, what are you doing, uh, at the moment? What are your, what are you focusing on, or what are you working on? Uh,
2: what am I doing at the moment? I'm
1: teaching,
2: uh, at the moment at Second City in Hollywood, um, which I, I'm loving. It's really just, like one of those jobs that I just can't believe it it, it fell in my lap and, and was a possibility even. So, um I'm teaching um, acting, I'm teaching uh on camera acting and I'm teaching uh dialects and character voices at Second City. Um and uh so that's one thing. Mm-hmm. And then like the thing that happens too and in, uh, in I don't know I mean, I'm sure this happens in a lot of other markets, but but the thing that I've noticed in Los Angeles is everybody works, like, I mean, tons of different part-time jobs, and um, so I'm I'm teaching part-time at Second City, which has been really a blessing, Um, and then I'm coaching privately as well, Um,
0: and what else
2: am I doing? Um, That's really been the the main thing, and then acting and auditioning and
0: focusing on writing as well, and, uh, directing my own projects, and, um, yeah. All right, well, um, we'll try to get into any and all of those things. Uh, let's start with the, the the teaching at Second City, and again, we're going to go back through your whole background and everything that led up to this, but, uh, you know, um, i think people would think and rightly so that to be a teacher at second city uh as far as the improv and comedy world goes that's a pretty prestigious uh gig um does it feel that way and and i know you know and, and talk about how you got it and i know you have a lot of background that that led to it but give us kind of the yeah. the brief the brief it doesn't have to be brief but the the summary of, of how you ended up with that job, and and does it feel as as special as I would think it would?
2: Oh my gosh, it totally does. Um, like even when the opportunity even first came my way, or, um, you know, when they even, they even said to talk to me about the possibility of, of teaching a class or two there, um, it was one of those moments where I literally was like. Somebody pinch me? Is this happening right now? <laughs> like, this is is this my life right now, or somehow I've like dropped into someone else's life in a parallel universe? <laughs> like, it was um it was really just like incredible, and I still um like the first day that I walked into uh, the building to teach my first class there, I like. Had to make myself pause and just like take it all in and be in that moment and really relish it. Like, okay, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> this is happening. I'm I'm now on faculty at Second City. Um, and uh, and then like I had this, this was a little bit of a sidebar, but um, I had another kind of like geek out sort of moment. Um, when I walked into the uh, administration office. To pick up my class roster and any other stuff that I needed, and uh, a <laughs> lovely lady behind the desk um, said to me, oh, it's in your mailbox,
1: and I was like, I have a mailbox, <laughs> 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 and, um, and it, was, it was like she pointed to
2: where the mailboxes were, and I opened it up, and there was this, label on one of the mail floc with my name on it. And I looked at the other names that were around it and went, Oh my God And it was like if there could have been a soundtrack and a light a sort of cue to that moment, it would have been like the choir of angels started singing something. Yeah. This like I have a mailbox and my name is on
3: it <laughs> And
2: um, but
0: then like I took a closer look at the name and I misspelled it. <laughs> of
2: and even that I thought was hilarious. Yeah. So I was like, Oh my God, I'm Copper Shaw
0: <laughs> Isn't that per that's absolutely perfect. What a perfect uh you know, way for that moment to to have another phase. Wow.
2: Yeah, it was really funny. So then like, you know, there was this little bit of an inside joke every now and then between me and, and, uh, one of the other, uh, one of my other fellow faculty at Second City was like, they called me Copper for a good month. Like <laughs> me,
1: Copper.
0: <Papa. laughs> like, hey, hey guys. <laughs> I don't think in all the time I've known you I've ever thought of that. And that's a very logical joke or, or nickname, but
1: there you go. Right, right. Well, even that, like,
2: it's really very common, you know, it's a typo. You just put two P's instead of two O's. It's yeah. really easy to do, you
1: yeah.
2: know. I've accidentally signed emails to people with the name Copper, and sure. I'm not, like, <laughs> not paying attention. So,
0: <laughs> anyway. So yeah that's amazing and so how did you end up getting that 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 job? oh well so
2: <laughs> um I have to give like complete um credit and thanks to uh my mentor from second city in Chicago um it was actually now in Toronto um
1: I had wanted
2: to get in touch with the folks at Second City in Hollywood and I didn't really know how to get in touch with anyone directly so I um, contacted Michael Gelman who was my very first improv teacher ever at Second City in Chicago and was just very influential and kind of helped me out a little bit in New York too. got me a teaching job at the Second City Training Center in New York when I first moved there and um, so I was like trying to get in touch with second city in hollywood and i so i called michael <laughs> and i was like hey <laughs> you happen to know anyone and, and he, uh so anyway he put me in touch with with the people um there and uh like if it hadn't been for him sort of uh you know saying i guess good things about me um <laughs> I, I really don't think that they would have um Reached out and said,
0: "Yeah, we'd love to
1: talk to you." So, um, well, there's a there's yeah. a
0: few points I think in that story. First of all, and again, we'll get into much more detail about your whole improv background and, and all all and everywhere you've studied and everything. But you know, keep in mind for you know people that are listening to this, you know, you never know these connections, and over a long time, because. You know, you lived in, since then, you've now lived in New York, St. Louis, and now L.A. You hadn't been doing stuff in Chicago in, what, 15 years or more, something like that?
1: Um,
2: Yeah, when was I in Chicago? I have to think about that for a second. I was in Chicago, uh, I guess it was like around uh, 1999 to like 2001.
0: Yeah, so we're talking so about maybe that, 18 or so years, um, yeah. and yet you still were able to reach back to to this person, and, you know, that's amazing. Um, and yeah,
2: it was really, really pretty special. Like, I yeah. can't, I'm so grateful for his presence in, in my life and uh, all of
0: that. So. And I want to take a little sidebar on this, because... For anybody listening that's in the improv world or thinking about getting into the improv world, uh, now I don't know how active he still is. You tell me, but I know that um, in the past, uh, if you try, if you got a little hardcore into like finding out who the big improv people are, um, in terms of Chicago teachers. Uh, he's very yeah. well known. He's, I think he's referred to in some of the major books, and I believe he's, he's known as one of the major Chicago figures of, of improv teaching over the years. So tell us a little bit about yeah, him and, and what made his or what still makes his particular, um, you know, philosophy or style of improv teaching um, so special.
2: Wow. Well, um, it, I'm, it, hmm. it's such a big question because he's such uh just a, an amazing um instructor and uh, guide through um creative
1: process in mm-hmm. general. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And he's based in Toronto these days uh. and uh, has a theater company in Toronto called Process Theater, or <laughs> as the Canadians say, Process Theater. <laughs> um, and uh, so he's running his own theater company which um with his wife, um, uh Deb, Deborah Smith. And um it's just they're just amazing people in in so many ways. And like you know, as many people know, or for those who don't know, like one of the um big tenets of improv is uh yes and, right? So you like take in whatever information comes to you and really let it sort of synthesize and then add to it, right? But the basis is agreement, Yeah. right? And it just always feels to me like Gelman and the really wonderful uh, the improv instructors that I've worked with, like Dave Luzowski is another really amazingly influential person. Um, Gary Austin was really so fantastic. Um, and they all sort of functioned on this, um, premise of, uh, encouraging and, um, you know, built, helping, helping build people up, uh, which is just, I mean, it's like such a spiritual experience. It's kind of hard for me to talk about it <laughs> in any other way
1: other than saying
2: it's life altering and it speaks to my soul, you know, <laughs> um, Because, I I mean, I really do feel like, uh, improv just makes, I don't know, I think it makes us better humans, because we really, um, connect with each other and, and encourage each other's growth, and, like, somebody tosses out an idea, and you say yes to it, yes, and let's do this, (laughs) like, oh my gosh, somebody actually said yes to something that I suggested, (laughs) like, you know, um. And I think in a lot of ways, it's just, um, the philosophy that I've always, going back to your question, which was, what is gentleman's philosophy, right? <laughs> your question. Okay.
0: Yeah, but that's okay. That this is, this, is, this um, is what it's all about.
2: Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, it just always, uh, sort of resonates with me because I feel like there are a lot of different areas in our lives or, um, you know, depending what kind of Upbringing anyone had, um, there's just a lot of different areas and instances where, uh, we're told no or we're made to feel smaller or, or we're like, we feel like we have to shrink and kind of like, you know, not, not say too much or not make the suggestion or not share our ideas because we're afraid that like somebody will make fun of it or, you know, any of that. And uh, I feel like the improv community is just so wonderful in that. Uh, everyone is a genius, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like, yes, <laughs> like, you just people get excited by new ideas and and um, help people build on them. So, well, uh, it's easy to make to help each other feel like geniuses and feel like you know anything
0: possible, which is possible. Well, a wonderful that's thing. it's very inspiring to hear you say that, and of course you know, those ideas are, are, you know, commonly, um, you know, tried to be expressed and taught in, in improv, at least when it's, when it's done well. Uh, but yeah. it's, it's inspiring and it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting to me. And I, you know, it, it just to, to, to give a person a quick personal, uh, I, you know, I, I don't like this podcast to be me talking about myself much at all. I really don't, but, it relates to this so i'm going to do a quick one which is
1: yeah. you know i've been
0: thinking a lot about improv myself lately because i did it for so long and then i stopped for for quite some time now and you know over time of of not thinking about it then thinking about it and also just a lot of personal growth i've had to go through just as a person personal that's growth right. as a person that's that's good um, no. No. You know
1: what I realized
0: is that you know one of the reasons, or maybe the big reason, that I didn't—I know you know—terms like this can be can be maybe misplaced in improv, but "quote unquote" succeed in the improv world as much as I wanted to. You know, I I, I wanted to get on a house team at the pit. I would—I hope to eventually get you know, very involved there and be a teacher and all that stuff. And I think one of the reasons or the main reason maybe that that didn't happen was that I wasn't thinking about it in the terms you were just describing. I was so worried about proving how good I was individually and I was very arrogant and I would do that thing where like, if I didn't think the way someone started a scene was good or was following the rules or whatever, I would either, like, ignore it and, and like, just stand back and, like, be annoyed about it, or I'd try to, like, fix it and save it, you know, things like that. The, The point is I didn't follow the... The philosophy you were just describing, it was, I, I thought I had to prove how good I was individually rather than work, you know, with the group. And uh, the truth is, yeah. improv is all about working with the group. And that's also what the great joy is in it.
1: Um, and I yeah. think I
0: was just too worried about myself and, and, and whatever. So anyway my point is that if I try it again, which I would like to at some point, I hope I'll be able to overcome the, the selfish, um, impulses and, and, and do it the, 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 the right for lack of a better word way. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, I don't know. I don't know that I would say like the right way versus the wrong way. I I feel like a lot of it though is, um, um, you know, it's so common, I think, for people to bring a lot of their own sort of, um, fear and anxiety into a situation. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, like, at the core of it, I don't know, uh, maybe the, the sense of, like, feeling the need that you have to prove individually how good you are is coming from a, you know, a place of, like, not trusting, um, in yourself and just being scared. Like, which is so, it's such a human reaction, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm scared, so I'm, I'm going to uh, focus on um, focus on me and overcoming the fear. But a lot of, uh, and of course, like, it's a practice, you know, it's like, you know, it's a daily slash year-by-year year practice, um, but the thing that's always helped me is to just, I've always just reminded myself, like, okay, I, I accept and, and acknowledge what's, the emotions that I'm experiencing and now I'm going to turn my attention to the other person <laughs> which like makes it so much more fun and just easier for me to focus on someone else and not focus on like what I'm going through <laughs> like, like oh no I don't wanna what's happening with you
1: <laughs>
0: yeah you know? but isn't isn't that really um, you know in a lot of ways, that's kind of the secret to acting and improv, isn't it? Is, is getting out of your head and truly focusing on the other person in, in, in a real way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's a beautiful
0: thing too. Yeah. Cause like people are fascinating yeah. and, you know, just, yeah. So, um, uh, we can, we, we could go on a, whole long improv tangent but we'll save that for another day Um, maybe i i was thinking about well i did i I may do a separate podcast about just improv so maybe we'll do that at some point but anyway um so uh anyway very cool um so amazing that you're that you're teaching there at second city now um just to kind of educate people You know, Second City, they have their main place in Chicago, and they have the Toronto, and I I know the New York Training Center no longer exists. Do they still have the Vegas Theater? I don't think so. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad. I don't even know. Well, that's okay. I don't think they do, but uh, I may be wrong about that. Anyway, anybody can obviously just Google or go on Second City's website and find out everything. Um, yeah. but in terms of the LA where you are, um, yeah. uh, so obviously like, a, you know, all the main second city centers, you know, people go through the different training programs. There's uh if I'm not mistaken, there's like an acting track and there's an improv track. Um, yeah. And, uh,
1: obviously, yeah. and they've expanded to
0: so many different avenues too.
2: They have voiceover classes. Right. They have writing classes. Right. They uh, have, you know, really pretty expensive.
0: Right, um, and as you, and as you mentioned, you're teaching some of the more like, not like just the direct improv one, improv two, but some of the other different kinds of classes, right?
2: Yeah, I'm teaching. Uh, I guess more the the elective sort mm-hmm. of right. track of classes, right. so. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm teaching, uh, on-camera acting, I'm teaching intro to acting, yeah. and, uh, dialects and character voices,
1: which So is, that yeah.
2: was the thing that I started off teaching, with dialects and character voices, and then we started adding more to the, um, to my, my arsenal, I guess, we would say.
0: Absolutely. And, yeah. um, I want to talk about the dialects and character voices thing, but... I was just curious too, you know, even though you're teaching those classes, um, I guess it's it's separate from the like the actual performing groups, the you know the people that actually perform improv for audiences um, there at at, the sec- at that theater. but d- does does yeah. you being a teacher there give you any opportunity to perform or no?
2: Uh, you know, I haven't explored that avenue probably as much as I should, right. um, so I, I can't really speak to that okay. quite so much, because, um, I, I haven't really explored it,
0: yeah. but. So, let's talk about the dialects and character voices a little bit, because, uh. Yeah. I had, I had one friend of mine who is a dialect coach on the podcast a while back, and I, I would love to get more people like that on. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very important uh, area of acting and seems to be more and more
1: more um, yeah.
0: more and more, uh, important these days. You know, we've got all these British actors playing all these American roles and, and things like sure. that. Uh, but for you, you know, uh, in terms of your background for teaching that, um, I know you have your MFA, um, from a while ago and was part yeah. of that, you know, did you study like the IPA, the phonetic alphabet and all that stuff? Is that your,
2: is that yes. kind of your, your background uh, yeah, for Yeah, so that? part of the training in the, um, MFA program was, um, taking, taking dialects and we did, we studied the international phonetic alphabet,
1: yeah. um, which
2: is, uh, I've had some people ask, like, "What what is the International Phonetic Alphabet? Yeah. Um, it's like this whole other set of characters that are a uh, pronunciation guide, basically. Um, yeah. So, like, if you open up the dictionary and look next to words in the, in the dictionary, there'll be these other characters that kind of look like English, but not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's the International Phonetic Alphabet, and they'll be like, you know, uh, pronunciation. Basically, pronunciation guide for like how, what shape is this vowel taking, and what is this yes. consonant sort of where is it resonating, and and you know which articulators are you
1: using, and stuff. All of that. So yes, it's if, fascinating.
0: It is, and if anybody wants a little more detail on that, if they listen to uh, one of the previous episodes of the podcast with Amy Joe Jackson. Um, she's the dialect coach and we get into, uh, a fair amount of detail, quite a bit of detail actually on that. We we ended up spending pretty much the whole time, uh, talking about that because I'm, I'm I'm so fascinated by it, but now I have to, we still haven't had her back on to actually talk about the rest of her life, but we will. But, um,
1: (laughs) but anyway, for you,
0: so, um, so, and then what about the character voices aspect I mean obviously in in the second city context in comedy and sketch comedy it's easy to think of sort of silly voices or funny character voices but but what what do you yeah. what do you what do you explain more about the character voices element
2: sure so the character voices element for me in the, the class that I've been teaching really uh, developed more um, out of a need to um, Give the, the dialect a, a stronger anchor so that it was, okay, now that we've learned the mechanics of the dialect, now let's talk about how how those mechanics would alter based on the character that you're playing right. and uh, what is this character's background. And, um, you know, so then changing the, the resonators and, and the sound placement based on that character's life and that character's emotional life. So um, that was really the, the root of um, the character voices. But it also sort of, like, ended up being this really fabulous thing to discover for uh, the performers who maybe had a slightly more challenging time doing certain dialects. They were like, "All hey, right, I can't really do that dialect." But hey, guess what? If I shoot my voice
0: into my nasal cavity, <laughs> oh, I'm doing a character voice, and I don't have to do an aspect in order to do it. You know. So. Well, well, there you go, and you know, it, yeah. it's great, and um, that's very cool how you how you blend those two together. Um, and you know, there may not be an easy, quick answer to this one, but. When I, when I asked Amy, she had an interesting perspective, which is, was kind of that like, and I'm, you know, uh, Amy, if I'm misquoting you, forgive me. And Anybody can listen to the episode. I may not be saying it exactly right. But she kind of said that if you have to, if you're really not that great at really getting into the, the real, you know, the real authentic detailed dialect and you don't have time to learn it, you can kind of fake it if you get kind of the general musicality and the general rhythm of it. But but, yeah. but that's not that's just a point she made. But my question to you is, if an actor came to you and said, oh, my God, I have this audition tomorrow. I got to do X accent. I suck at accents. I don't know how to do it, but I really want this part. What, what would yeah. you recommend they, they do in a, in a pinch like that?
2: That's a really great question. So, I've had um, several uh, private clients come to me with exactly this. this, this Oh, there you go. Um, I thought I I was
0: being totally hypothetical.
2: (laughs) No, it's very common, especially um, once people are auditioning for um, film and TV. The auditions come in kind of last minute, so uh, they do have to like learn something really fast and be able to just go in and do it. So, um, what they do is they nine times out of ten will have specific slides that have been sent to them, like a, a short section of the scripts that they have to do. Um, and um, so they'll bring that to me. Uh, what I recommend that they do is um, do as much homework on their own as they can prior to coming to me for mm-hmm. the coaching. So that a lot of the time that is spent with me is just kind of tweaking, like um uh, and fine-tuning things a little bit um so but uh, a lot of times what what they'll do is they'll bring the, the sides into me and we'll sit down with the sides and we will convert the sides into the international phonetic alphabet if if that's helpful to the uh to the act some a lot of actors are are also very visual so it helps them to have that key to that ipa key to Associate, but some people it doesn't, they just want to be able to see what shape is the mouth making, what do I need to do, like they just need to, to, some people are just better mimics than they are. Um, So it really is on such an individual basis, I guess, is the point that I'm making. (laughs) Uh, Because what works for one person isn't going to work quite the same for someone else. Um, So, uh, (laughs) yeah, so they will uh, bring the sides to me and we'll, we'll, mark them up with IPA, and we'll get, like, if they've been given a specific regionality of the accent, we'll get as specific as we can with that. Um, But a lot of times when the auditions are last minute, it's a matter of, um, like you said, um, your other dialect coach uh, guest had mentioned that it's a matter of just knowing, like, a few key sound changes that you have to have in place and a certain musicality that has to be in place in order to even show a casting director, okay, this is what I've done with this accent with, like, an hour of prep time. Right. (laughs) If I had more time, I could, you know, you just kind of want to show them that you have a general understanding of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, but
2: a lot of times too, like what I'll recommend is, um, it, uh, just finding sound, sound bites, samples, uh, watch a TV show that you know is set in that region or a movie. And then it's like, cool, your homework and your research is watching that very thing that you want to do. So it, it, it all becomes like a game and a little bit more fun that way. Like, you know.
0: Absolutely, and, and again, it's weird timing because uh, I had a funny thought about this kind of stuff literally just now today, just before because I was watching. Okay, so you y- you know, Mash the TV show, Mash. Yeah. So one of my favorite characters on that show is is Winchester, and um, I caught. Uh, this this Perry Mason movie from the eighties, like right after Mash, pretty much. Um, and the guy who played Winchester, um, David Ogden Steers, um, was playing a lawyer in this Perry Mason thing, and he had a okay. different he had a different accent. He had more of just a regular. I reckon you recognize his voice, but he's not doing that that kind of type of accent he was doing on Mash. Um. And I thought, so I looked him up, I, from watching MASH, just thought and assumed that he was British. He's not. He's American. And not only that, but the MASH accent wasn't really supposed to be British. It was supposed to be like this pompous (laughs) Boston accent. To me, it sounds British. I don't know. Anyway, it's just that's just uh, you know.
1: I don't know. It's been it a special time since I've
2: watched it. I can't. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what it sounded like. But yeah. um, but,
0: but it's very funny. cool. The the <laughs> bottom line is, it's very cool when actors can can transform their voices like that. Um, okay. So yeah, anyway, it's really cool. yeah. yes, indeed. So um, I want to get to your your background and all your travels and stuff. But I do want to talk about one other more current or recent thing that, that, you know, just happened to you pretty recently. Uh, You got to take a play that you wrote, and you got to cast it with somebody else, and you and this other person performed it uh, at a theater festival in Toronto, right?
1: This is true.
0: Tell us all about that.
2: Um, Yeah, so it was a festival called Scripted Toronto. Uh, that was run by Process Theater, which is again, uh, Michael Gelman oh. and, uh, Deborah Smith. So we,
0: we come um, full circle. There you go. Cool.
2: Yeah. So we've come back to all roads lead to Gelman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, so I had written this play, um, uh, a number of years ago, uh, and it had, uh, in its original sort of, um, form. It had a production in New York um, at a small theater. Um, Some of my classmates in graduate school after our first year of grad school as we had all these we had playwrights and directors and actors all in the same program together so we kind of all turned to each other and said, "Um, hey we should do stuff. (laughs) Like, why wait until we graduate? Let's Make some stuff together now. So, um, you know, we sort of formed a little bit of a, uh, repertory company for that summer after our first year. And, um, people, you know, wrote pieces and submitted them. And then we all sort of, uh, decided which pieces we wanted to push forward. So, this, anyway, long story short, too late, um, (laughs) I had written this play way back. And it had this production in New York with my fellow classmate, um, and uh, it was really an amazing experience. And then from there, it it was always something that I wanted to revisit. And um, in the, the years following, I've gone back and like written other versions of the same play, and always sort of like exploring the same the same core question of like, here are these two people. Uh, had been really close with each other who for whatever reason uh, were no longer close and the question was like uh, can they rekindle things basically or has there been too much damage done and how do you move forward from a certain place or can you move forward from a certain place or you know so so I was always sort of like revisiting it and seeing like oh well uh, what do I really want to accomplish with it and then you know, life happens, and other things take your focus, and other paths present themselves. You go down those other paths, and you know, <laughs>
1: like
2: I'm like the queen of like in the moment, I guess. <laughs> I'll be like, oh,
1: bicycle, <laughs>
0: like,
1: yeah, <laughs> oh, tiny house, what's over there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I've, I've been, I've been anyway. a little bit more that way
0: lately myself.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, I forward two years later, um, uh, Process Theater, um, put this festival together called Scripted Toronto, and, uh, I decided, like, hey, maybe, maybe this is the sign from the universe that that one project that's been hanging over my head for X <laughs> amount of time, um, maybe this is the time to, like, submit it and see what happens, yeah. and, uh, because the, the festival itself is very process-oriented, um, I figured it would be the, the best opportunity for it um, just to kind of, like, help the piece develop and, and find its legs and get feedback from, like, fellow creative souls and, like, feedback from other writers and feedback from other actors and, like, you know. Uh, so anyway, so I submitted to the thing and, like, In the midst of the submission process, so the deadline for submitting, I was also in the midst of doing a show. (laughs) It was like over the holiday season and I was doing a show um, in St. Louis that was uh, a it it took a lot of energy and it was very time consuming. It was a wonderful show. It was a holiday holiday themed uh, very interactive, high energy kind of high high octane (laughs) show. So like I would get home from doing the show, uh, and I would think, I really, I have this deadline coming up, and I sent a friend of mine, uh, uh, an actor-slash-writer friend of mine, and slash improviser friend of mine, who was living in Hawaii at the time, I sent him a message saying, I I don't think I'm going to submit to this thing, I, I can't meet that deadline, this show is taking too much energy, and I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to meet the deadline, (laughs) and he responded with this, such a perfect, like, it was such a funny thing, because it was over Facebook Messenger that I sent this, like, I'm not going to do it message, right? Yeah. And you know how, like, it's difficult sometimes to interpret what someone's tone is in a text message,
1: so. Of course.
2: You know, (laughs) You have to know someone, like, really pretty well to know what tone of voice they would have used had they said those words out loud. So
1: this this friend of mine
2: sends me this message back after I said, I'm not going to make the deadline. He sends me back this message
1: saying, are you sure? And I was like, damn it, no, I'm not sure. (laughs) Like, time, I'll meet the
2: deadline. (laughs) <laughs> you
1: know, and I grumbled like, the whole time. I was like, oh, of <laughs> course um, <laughs> so, um, And then I think somewhere in there he had also sent me a message saying, well, you know, you know what, what's best and you know what you can handle. And I was like, oh, my God. i <laughs> will <Dang!" laughs> send it.
2: So like, I, like, you know, I set the thing off. But it's like the eleventh hour, right? Like literally, the deadline was like midnight, and like eleven thirty, I hit send. Wow! <laughs> I like, oh, Now or never. <laughs> like,
0: well, that sounds like I, it sounds like it wasn't so much you're misinterpreting him as you just needed an excuse for someone to push you back to it.
2: Yeah, no, it wasn't a matter of misinterpreting at all. It was actually like I totally interpreted it correctly (laughs) because he was totally trying to do exactly what the effect was. (laughs) was, Yeah. Yes. Um. And uh, yeah. So anyway. So thankfully, I have to give a huge shout out uh, to Tom McNamara (laughs) for for sending that message thing. Are you
0: sure? <laughs> like, <laughs> Good job, Tom.
2: Yeah, thanks, Tom. You're awesome. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um, anyway, so then uh, the piece got accepted. And so like, if it hadn't been for, for Tom saying, "Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> get your act together," basically, um, <laughs> I uh, I wouldn't have submitted it, and then uh, that whole experience wouldn't have happened. So. Um, Yeah, I could probably spend the next, like, whatever amount of time we have just talking about Toronto, (laughs) so uh, I don't know how how far into that story you want me to go, but i will
1: keep going.
0: (laughs) Well, I, you know, I, I, you know, we can always end up having you back on for a part two anyway, but, you know, uh, I do want to get to your other, you know, the rest of your journey prior to this, but... No, tell, yeah.
1: tell us a little bit about how it
2: went so well, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, the, uh, the uh, amazing thing is that, uh, you know, I got the email back from uh, the scripted Toronto folks saying, uh, congratulations, we've accepted your your play. Um, and then the, the process from there became, um, right, well, I already knew it was a two character play. Um, and uh I already knew I wanted to play the one character, so it was a matter of finding a, a local actor in Toronto um, to play opposite me. So uh, the folks at Process Theater sent me some headshots and resumes, and I had uh, people send a uh, self-tape audition with uh, doing a little monologue from the piece. And then from there, we did Skype audition, um, or Skype fallback, rather. And then um, this amazing local actor in Toronto. David Strauss uh, ended up playing the Joseph character in the play and just brought so much heart um, and sensitivity to it and he and I ended up uh, collaborating a lot on the script even because like questions would come up that he wanted more clarification on and just because he had such a keen eye for what those character questions were it helped me as a writer so much in a way that, like, I'm beyond grateful for, like, I can't even, So well, it became this really wonderful collaboration of him asking these questions that made me go back and go, oh, well, I need to, I need to take a deeper look at that, and well, what, what is, what is that, what does that mean, and how do I make that more clear while still, you know, maintaining the the integrity of the piece that I wanted to maintain, but, um, just so grateful that, that uh, David came along and, and um, brought such heart and sensitivity to it that uh, I couldn't have even imagined. Like, you know, like um, you know, I could imagine. Like, I had an idea because I wrote the thing. <laughs> but you know, sometimes like an actor comes along and gives a slightly different interpretation because of who they are as a person uh, to something that sort of just makes you go, "Oh my God, yes." That's who this character is. I thought I knew who this character was, but you know this character better than I do. <laughs> you know, it was really uh, it was a wonderful experience. So, um, so there was that, and then um, we got to uh, Toronto and, and uh, presented the piece. We had a little bit of rehearsal time. We had some Skype rehearsals before I got to Toronto. Um, and then we had some in-person rehearsal time with uh Christine Niven doing the directing, um, which, oh, my God, Christine Niven. <laughs> like, I can't even say enough nice things about her. I um, have <laughs> so many tangents. Uh, so, uh anyway, Christine, I know from New York, she was the co-artistic director of a theater company called Artistic New Directions. Um, oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, so um, I knew that Christine was also going to be at the festival, so I sent her an email saying, hey, would you direct my play? <laughs> and uh, she emailed me back immediately and said, oh, my God, yes, I would love to, um, which that I did a little happy dance as soon as I read that email, too. I was like,
1: yes, it's happening.
2: <laughs> so, um, yeah, it just was like this amazing, like, dream sort of, creative collaboration team um, that just made the
1: whole thing uh, magical. And
2: yeah, yeah. I'm well, still sort of reeling
1: from it. And, um,
2: and then the performance was uh, just it was amazing because the first production of the piece and it's at this point gone through so many different rewrites and so many different versions of the same thing that it, by now is a completely different piece. But the first uh, performance of it was done in New York um, with uh, different actors. So this is the first time that I got to act in it, which I was like, had never really acted in my own writing before. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, not really,
2: other than like, you know, other than in like a random one-off workshop where it's like, hey, write a monologue and then get up and perform the monologue. But
1: mm-hmm. this was... Uh,
2: it was really so creatively fulfilling um, and inspiring, and uh, I have more plans for the play moving into the future. Um, it's all still in development, so no one to say too much right now. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely planning on doing more with it, and I'm excited by the prospect.
0: That's phenomenal. Well, you know, I love everything about that story. Not only did it sounds like, like you said, the perfect collaboration um, with everybody, but, you know, all those ideas that you can revise something and that an actor brings a new perspective to it and helps you with the writing and, you know, things are always an evolving work in progress. You know, it's, it's, it's so yeah. true. I, you know, I think when I was younger, I was very stubbornly against that notion or whatever. I just didn't, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't resonate with me, but now it completely does. And, um, plus the idea that you can do everything. That's the other thing I used to resist, but not anymore. You know, you can act and write and direct and do whatever else. Like there's no, you know, this idea that you can't be good at anything if you're doing multiple things is an absurd idea that I used to have because I was an an idiot. And uh, and especially now when everybody is, you know, producing and creating their own work and, and they're almost told that they have to. Uh, but, but yeah. But bottom line is,
2: why the hell
1: not, anyway?
2: <laughs> yeah, why the hell not, right? <laughs> like, because it's empowering, yeah. I think, in a really wonderful way to, to you know. Um, Gary Austin said this thing to me once uh I had called him up from New York. Um and I was feeling a little like at odds and ends with New York and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do next and so I called um Gary in Los Angeles and said, Hey, I I can I need some advice. I don't know what to do. I'm not really sure what what I'm doing with my
1: life <laughs> you know. <laughs> like is <laughs> <it's> that <laughs> big question. What am I doing with my life? Um, And
2: Gary just said this really amazing thing to me and he said, don't wait for someone else to give you permission to do what you love doing. Just give yourself the permission and do it. And it was like, it was like one of those moments that I got shivers from my toes all the way up my legs, all the way up to the top of my head, and I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> so,
1: um, yeah.
2: So,
0: yeah. well, it's, again, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's. I'm sure it's always been, you know, a good idea, but it seems like these days, for various reasons, uh, you know, actors are. are really being told that they're being told you gotta, you gotta create your own stuff. So very, very interesting.
1: Yeah, um, and, uh, I think, I think it's good. I
2: think it's good to be, you know, a multi-hyphenate like actor, writer, director, producer, all that stuff. It's yeah. just, you know, cause then you're all, you always have that creative outlet of, you know, rather than sitting around and being like, Oh, no, auditions are coming my way, so yeah. what am I going to do? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I've got some time. What's this other thing that feeds my soul? What's this other thing that makes me feel, like, jazzed to be alive on this planet? Yeah. Like, oh, well, creating stuff, telling stories, connecting with people. And there's so many different ways to do that, and it's just like, it never ending
0: you know? Yeah. And even just something as simple as taking a class or any way you can meet other people in the same boat because one, it's fun and it helps keep you sane. And two, two, um, you just never know, you know, what, what's going to, what these connections will lead to you know, at some point. And, you know, so, so often, so often people get roles, uh, because they know somebody, not in, like, a bad way, just because that's logical. It's like, oh, this is my friend, and he'd be perfect for this part, you know. And, yeah, uh, right? you know, the, the traditional getting a role through an audition, you know, route is, I mean, it's always challenging, but I feel like it's even more challenging now because there's just so much competition. and And sadly, a lot of, you know, for bigger things now, they... You know, you hear these crazy stories, you know, they're casting people because they have a huge social media following. Like, that's the reason they're casting someone yeah, yeah. as an actor. Like, really? Okay. Yeah. So That's
1: the thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the thing
2: that's happening. Yeah. And it's, um, it's understandable in one respect because they're going to cast. It's all about, you know, uh, ticket sales. So yeah. they're going to cast the people that they know. They've already got a built-in audience for that person,
0: so right. it makes sense, right. you know, right. as much as we grumble about it, it's like, well, okay, yeah. well, it's also <laughs> you about, it. you know, especially if in, in the acting and, the, you know, the, in the acting world, um, and any, anything in the arts, really, you know, you have to give your own definition of success, because such a teeny, minuscule, tiny percent is going to have, like, huge, famous, commercial-level success. Um, and you know, it's nothing wrong with going after that, but, but you have to keep yourself grounded in some other definition of success, you know, uh, and, and, and and even that's going to be challenging to, to get to, but, um, you've got to, you've got to figure out a way to keep yourself, uh, sane because it's, uh, it's otherwise you, you know, you can really get, go down a destructive road. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's really true. And, here's my, yes, and. Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) There was a, something that um, that you just made me think of is like keeping grounded in that um,
1: so that you don't go Um, self-destructive.
2: It's going to sound, and at the time when I started doing it, it was given as an assignment in grad school in one of my classes. This, this exercise. And when it was passed the sign, I grumbled about it, and I was like, oh, that's so cheesy. Right. <laughs> like, am I going to do that? But then I realized that it was actually being collected at the end of like the semester, and so I was like, oh, crap, I actually have to do this thing. So, um, one of my professors in grad school had us keep a joy journal, or a grateful journal, that I like, she called them joy journals. Yeah. And the text was, like, each day, you had to write down at least five things that gave you joy or that you were grateful for. Right. You could write more than five things but it had to be at <laughs> least five, right? Um, It had to be at least five. So even on, like, the crappiest day or, like, you know, whatever, you had to write something that gave you joy that day. And it could, it could be something as simple as, like, had a really great cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had five minutes to sit down and just enjoy that cup of coffee. Or just, oh, like, <laughs> for me it was it was when I first started it it was things like, uh I love the way the pen feels on the paper. Mm-hmm. Like well, that gave me joy. Oh, no, that's great. Um, yeah. We're having like a really great conversation with a particular friend or noticing uh, uh, the architecture of a building as you're walking down the street. Like, right? you know, things, things like that. But anyway, I started this assignment slash exercise that completely resisted to it. And by the end of the thing, uh, it completely changed my mindset of, like, right. There, there are, no matter what's happening, there's always something to find joy in. Yeah. Something to be grateful for. Yeah. And something to, like, You know, Um, and then at the end, when we when we uh, handed these assignments in, we all talked about them, and uh, and then our professor said, um, professor said uh, this thing that resonated with me so deeply that I'm I'm pretty sure that I teared up when she said it. Mm. (laughs) But I'm laughing now because like I don't want to cry. But so she said. Just be aware that all of those things that you've written in your joy journal that have given you joy would not be happening were you not on this specific path that you're on. Right. So own those and let those be what they are because this is the path you are meant to be on. And it just was... ah, Like, I can't... I'm getting choked up even just thinking about it. Um, but it's true. So, I go back to that every now and then when I'm starting to feel a little like, what am I doing? Where do I
1: go from here?
2: (laughs) You know? So, we go back to my joy journal. What's What's the thing, what are the five things that gave me that joy today? And, um, it helps a lot. And, you know.
0: Yeah, and in terms of what she said, you know, it's easy to dismiss that kind of stuff as 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 hippy dippy, and I used to, but but uh, you know, I realized at a certain point too. You know, time and and life and everything is finite, and you know, it really is a marathon, not a sprint, and it is all part of the journey, yeah. and and you have to get that perspective of of trusting the moment, while also keeping your goals and and plans in mind, and. I think as you get older, you just kind of naturally find that balance, you know, you just, you just kind of do. So.
1: I think it's true.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So speaking of journeys, uh, that's actually a perfect segue. Uh, let's go (laughs) back through, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) let's go back through yours, because I really think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in it, and I think people will be too, because again, you've, you've done that, that thing of, of, you know, not just settling in one place forever, you, you've tried all these different cities, and done all these different things, so... So let's let's go back to the beginning. And and I and I realized when I was thinking ahead toward toward us doing this tonight, I feel terrible because I consider you someone I should know pretty well and I know like the last fifteen or whatever years of your life pretty well. But I could not for the life of me remember where the heck you're actually from originally. That's
1: the only thing. I am I am originally from uh, St. Louis, Missouri.
0: You're born from St. Louis? I did not remember
1: that. I'm from St. Louis?
0: Yeah. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did not remember that at all.
2: Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I'm born and raised in a, a suburb of St. Louis, and um, uh, so so that's funny. So. The actual uh, specific town in St. Louis that I'm from is uh, called um Creed Court, so Creve Court, Missouri. So <laughs> what is it? Uh, Creve uh which as the French say, Cleve Wait, wait, wait. Spell, spell, spell that.
0: Spell so
2: that. I, I was born and raised in Broken Heart, Missouri. <laughs> wait, yeah, I'm anyway. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm
0: sorry. Back up. Can, can you spell yeah. that town name for me, please?
2: Yeah, I sure can. So it's two French words that are spelled. uh The first word is c r e v e. Uh huh. And the second word is c o e u r.
0: Oh, okay. Creve core. Creve core.
2: I don't. Yeah. I don't think yeah. you ever. Way. I don't yeah. think you
0: ever told me this because that does not but sound it, familiar to me. And right. um.
2: And. It's possible that Another thing up. So. What. It's possible that it never came up. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know? So, um, and you said it means broken heart?
2: It means broken heart.
0: Wow. <laughs> oh.
2: I know.
1: <laughs> and was it, like, like growing
0: up, was it common knowledge that that's what it meant? Yeah. What a sad, that's a
1: sad town name. Oh, man. Okay. I know, right? Um, maybe that explains, like,
2: a lot about my uh, sense of humor. Um, <laughs> so, um, right. And, uh, sure. So, um, so, I was born and raised in St. Louis, and then um, uh, from there, I went to um, did, started my undergrad at St. Louis University, and then from there, I transferred out to uh, New Mexico and finished at UNM in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that was an amazing experience. Uh, I could talk about New Mexico and Albuquerque for like, you know, the rest of my life. Uh, and, um, and then from New Mexico, I went, uh, to Chicago. I was there for a couple of years. And then, um, from Chicago, went to New York.
0: Right. And New York is where you got your MFA at the new school.
2: Yes, New York is where I did my uh, MFA at uh, at the uh, Actor's Studio Drama School at New School University.
0: Right. Um, Which is
2: now at Pace University, but it
0: right. was at New School. Right, right, right. Yes, the yeah. The, the James Lipton place. Um, yes. Uh, which I, I I keep asking, is that show even still on inside the Actors Studio? I have no you idea. You don't I
1: don't even know. No, I don't.
0: I don't think anybody does. I, I, I never, see, know it. Anything, but I never I just see it. I never see it Yeah, But so let's back up. So when you first yeah. went to college, and if we had more time, I will we'll, we'll have you back, and we're gonna have to do a part two with you for sure because. There's so much, there's so much more to get into, but, uh, when, when you first went, and I'm sorry, I'm skipping like your early years, but we'll get to them on part two, no, but, we'll, but we'll, we'll
1: go wherever you want to go.
0: You're, you're I, I just, right, just want to make so. sure we get to the whole New York, St. Louis, LA, LA thing. But so okay. when you first went to those two colleges, were you studying theater
2: I was yes yeah. um, I uh, have my bachelor's in theater um, and uh, started off majoring in theater at St. Louis University and then um, uh, studied with some really amazing people um, who had I not st- <laughs> had I not taken classes from those particular uh,
1: individuals I would not have stayed at St. Louis University for as long as I did mm-hmm
2: Um I made some really amazing friends while I was there and and learned some really amazing stuff. But I also um I knew at that point like what I wanted to do and I wanted to act. And uh in a matter of like two years or a year and a half, I had already taken all of the acting classes that they offered.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So I was like, hmm. I think it's time for me to transfer. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And also, at the time, like, the, the way that the theater department was structured when I was there at St. Louis-Hugh was, you, was um, uh, freshmen were not cast in the main stage shows. Mm. Freshmen were, you know, it, uh worked the tech crew and various positions on tech crew, which was amazing. Um, I learned tons, and I think it's super, super important, kids. Learn your tech theater. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's like, that was my teachable moment for people. So, yes. um, yeah, it's important to know something about everything. Um, so anyway, uh, but again, like I wasn't uh, even past that. I wasn't getting cast in the show. And I was like, how am I going to learn how to do this thing that I know in my gut that I am meant to do if I'm not being given the opportunity to do it? Yes. Right. So, I went to talk to uh, Mr. Louis, Wayne Louie. <laughs> uh, the man is a genius. He's like, I call him Gandhi because for me, he was like the Gandhi of my creative life at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Mr. Louis and I was like, so here's the thing. Is, uh, I'm not getting cast in the show. And I don't really know what that means. Does that mean that I shouldn't be doing this? <laughs> like, if I suck, just tell me. <laughs> but it was basically what I said, yeah. says in my little like nineteen-year-old um, speak. Um, anyway, uh, he he said to me um, that uh, he wished he had an answer other than the one that he was about to give me, which was that. Uh, I was really good at doing the tech stuff and they needed people who could do that. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh. So in my brain, I went, okay, I've been labeled as a techie. <laughs> yeah. I need to go somewhere else. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's an odd, so, it seems like an odd
1: response. Interesting.
2: Okay. Um, no, I mean, like, it made sense, you know, because they didn't have, at the time, they didn't have a technical theater major. So, okay. if you were majoring in theater, you were doing the tech work, and you were doing the acting work, and you were doing the, you know. Yeah. And believe it or not, I was still incredibly shy. <laughs> so, I think it, it took me a little minute to um, to find my footing and to be able to share my voice with people enough for them to say, oh, yes, you are a performer. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> okay, we get
2: it. Right. Like. You know, it took a little minute. Anyway, so from there, uh, basically, I transferred out to the University of New Mexico. And um, after I was at UNM for two weeks, I went and auditioned for a show and got cast in the first show I auditioned for. Ah, see, there you go. So I was like, oh, see, it is a matter of just, like, finding your place and finding your people and finding that, like, that place that lets you flourish and be the 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 person that you wanna be. Yeah. You know? Which like I'm reminded of um <laughs> there are so many different stories that I have from my, my uh experiences as an actor and auditioning and and all the you know all the rejection. This is a lot of rejection, <laughs> you know. Um there's mm-hmm. so many different instances where I think of my favorite musical. Of all time is a chorus line. Yeah, and do you know? Do you know a chorus line?
0: Oh yes, very well. I remember. five right. I, I I fell in love with that show when I saw it. Um, when it was done at my college, actually. Yeah.
2: So, oh yeah. Okay. So you know the song from a chorus line? Uh, nothing. Of course. Great. Right. So <laughs> that song. Is like the thing that I keep thinking of uh, when I start to tell these stories. Where I'm like, "Well, I wasn't getting cast in anything at St. Louis, so I transferred out to UNM, and I started getting cast right away. Yeah. <laughs> like, right away. There were tons of opportunities, and I started doing community theater, and I started doing you know every little opportunity. And so the song from a chorus line is like, she keeps the gist of it is that she says there was this teacher who kept telling her she was never going to amount to anything, yes. and she went, "I'm just going to find a different class." <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna find a different teacher. I'm gonna find the thing that like lets me be me, basically. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that was New Mexico for me. Was that that huge aha moment of again the choir of angels went, "Oh, ah! <laughs> oh
0: my god!" Yeah, no, that's, here I am. That's great, yeah. and what's so, great is that you had the the self awareness and the And the drive just to to not be complacent and to to make the transfer. So that's that's great. Um, Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and also, like,
2: my parents were super supportive of it, too, which that was, you know, that was a blessing. They were
0: like, yeah, transfer. Go where you need to go. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the chorus line because I do love it, but I haven't thought about it in so long. And now I'm going to go back and listen to it later because I love that. That that uh, album, and uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, There are the the whole thing is, is amazing, and yeah, nothing is such a great song. I mean, all those songs are so brilliantly structured, and just everything about them, yeah. Very. And yeah, and anybody so, who's so. any actor, you know, you you gotta that that show will help. Uh, talk you about know. you know finding uh, yeah. you know something that you can relate to. Oh yes. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So okay, so uh, and again, forgive me for fast forwarding, but we'll we'll get into more, sure. uh, you know, when, when you come back on. But so I so I keep forgetting. Even before New York was Chicago. So your first your first post school place was Chicago. Um, oh, that's true. And that's where you that's where you studied at the second city. There you said right.
2: That is true.
0: And. Did you and so well tell us about you know I mean you mentioned it a little bit earlier but obviously again you know Second City you know is is the original and the Chicago location is the original location I mean that is that is the mecca yeah. you know of that kind yeah. of stuff so so you know what what was that like for you?
1: Uh, amazing. Um, and uh,
2: and also like. Okay, so do you want to hear the story of how I how I first got into taking classes at Second City?
0: Of course, I do. <laughs> it's kind
2: of a it's kind of a ridiculous story, but only in so far as at the time I was so like naive mm-hmm. and basically ignorant about like I wasn't even aware of what Second City was, really, okay. really. At the time I was like, I think I maybe had vaguely heard of it, but it, it didn't have it, wasn't ever present in, in my brain
1: mm-hmm. because
2: I had moved to Chicago thinking, uh, in my mind, I was like, okay, it's time to go to Chicago and be a serious actress, right? I don't a serious actress. I am going to work for the Goodman, and I am going to work for the Steppenwolf, and I am going to, you know, all of these like... Well, and again,
0: just so people know, you know, in case people don't know, you know, a lot of people go to New York or L.A., but a lot of people, especially if you're from closer to it, do go to Chicago, um, and it's not just the comedy stuff like Second City. Uh, but yeah. it, but, the, but it's a very serious theater town. In some ways, it's known as a, a, an even more sort of artistically focused theater town. Um, as you said, all those theater companies, the Steppenwolf, the Goodman, etc. Um, so it's yeah. so it's uh, it's a very um, strong place. If you know, it, it, it it's it's a it's a very strong place for actors to go as well, for sure. So I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah. go on.
2: <laughs> uh no, totally. Um, it's really true. And so like at the time, uh this was, you know, before before I even before improv was even like a thought in my head before I even like had any kind of awareness of like what is this thing called improvisation? Yeah. I didn't even thought about it. I was like all about being a serious actress, as I said. I yeah. was <laughs> like, theatre, yeah, I am going to do theatre <laughs> all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um so, so I moved to Chicago, uh, and I was staying with a friend of mine from college uh, at St. Louis U, who, Josh, Joshua Becker, I'm going to give a shout out to Joshua Becker, because I know he's going to listen to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Josh and I met the very first day of our freshman year of college, um, because I think we were the two most shy people in the acting class. <laughs> right. And uh, we were told to partner up. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and I had that moment of panic of like, oh God. Right. I don't know any of these people. You want me to turn to someone and say, do you want to be my partner? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I thought
0: you meant you and he specifically were partnered up. Okay.
2: Oh, no. So the, the original, the very beginning moment of that was the professor saying, all right, everybody find a partner. And I panicked. And just kind of like slunk down further in my seat of like,
1: I can't. (laughs) You know?
2: I can't, I can't talk. I don't know any of these people. Why do I have to be? Anyway. Josh came walking right up to me and grabbed me by my wrist and yanked me out of the seat and said, you're gonna be my friend. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was like, not only was he saying, Hey, let's be partners. It was like instant best friend. And I was like, Yes, thank God. And I think I like let out this huge sigh of relief <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. you just saved my life. Um anyway, so uh I love telling that story because anyway, like he and I are still so really, really yeah. uh, amazingly close friends. Yeah. So, um finally. Anyway, so when I first moved to Chicago, I was staying with Josh. Um uh while i was sort of like trying to figure out what what to pursue and how to pursue it and you know all that stuff and, um i was going on auditions and i was working i uh, was doing background work on uh, a couple of tv shows and movies that were being filmed in chicago at the time mm-hmm. and um uh, and then i was reading this book about acting in chicago and how to be an actor in chicago i believe it was called the book <laughs> <laughs> The name of the book. Yeah. Um, it was like basically like the Chicago actor's bible, right? So it gave all this insight into like these are the things that you need to do in order to be successful as an actor in Chicago. And on somewhere in the in the book, it mentioned like you should you should take an improv class and add improv to your resume as a special skill.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, all right. I guess I need to build my special skills section on my resume. Yeah. Um so I started kind of like going to see shows at uh at the time what was called Improv Olympics, which is now called IO.
1: Yeah.
2: Um <laughs> so I was going to see shows at Improv Olympics and um I went to see a show at, at Second City, I think, but like still I, I wasn't really like wasn't sure where I was gonna take classes and I didn't quite know. I don't know. Anyway, we've gone back a while, so my memory is a little dark. Um, so, but I do remember the very moment that it came to be that I was, I had decided I was going to take classes in Texas City. I was working a retail job. (laughs) This, like, part-time retail job at, um, Brookstone. In the Water Tower Shopping Mall in Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, this guy walked in and you know was shopping for a gift for somebody and he was helping him find this gift, and he strikes up a conversation with me and says, "So, so what do you do when you're not you're working here?" And uh, and I said, "Oh, I, I, I'm i an actress." Yeah. <laughs> like, I I feel bad whenever I like imitate my younger self. I feel like I make myself sound like such a dope. Um, but anyway, uh, so he said, oh, you're an actress and you live in Chicago. You're taking improv classes, right? And I just kind of went, no. <laughs> I've been meaning to. And he goes, oh, well, you're going to take classes at Second City, right? And I was like, where? <laughs>
1: And he goes, Second City, SBTV, he says to me. And I went, holy shit.
2: He goes, yeah, you cannot be an actor in Chicago and not take classes at Second City. You just can't. I was like, okay. So he says to me, "Um, you should call Second City and register for the Improv for Actors class. I was like, "Great! Thank you for the suggestion. I will definitely do that." Yeah, and like, so also at the time I was working, uh, a, a, so I was working this retail job at, at Brookstone. I was also temping, and um, so I went to my. I was at. Remember sitting in my cubicle at my temp job, and I decided whatever the day was, however many weeks later or however many days later, um, I was like, "All right." Now is the, now's the time to do it. I'm going to call Second City, and I'm going to register for Improper practice Because this guy that I met at Brookstone told me I had to. Right. Right. Um, and uh, so I call, and there's the outgoing message on the uh, phone system at Second City that says, thank you for calling Second City, Chicago. If you would like information about
1: this class,
2: you know, blah, 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 threats, One." Right. If you would like information about this class, press two. If you would like, it goes down this whole list of options, and and it gets to like option number four, whatever, and it says, if you would like information about the Second City Conservatory program, press four. And I, my little actor brain went, oh, conservatory <laughs> That sounds <laughs> impressive. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's find out about that. So I press. Or whatever. And it, it brings you to this other recorded bit saying, um, for the Second City Conservatory is the only program at Second City that requires an audition for And the prerequisite is either three years of improv experience or training or a bachelor's in theater. <laughs> in my brain, I'm going, he did say a bachelor's in theater was a prerequisite, an acceptable prerequisite even if I have no improv experience. Mm-hmm. I was like, did I hear that right? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, it says, if you would like to speak with a representative, press zero, whatever. I press zero, the, the representative gets on the phone. And uh, what's funny is I still remember who these people are. So I'm like, <laughs> like, anyway, um, he gets on the phone. And uh, and says, uh, uh, "Yeah, Second City. How can I help you?" I was like, "Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> you're looking for Um, um,
2: am I understanding correctly that I can audition for the conservatory program with a bachelor's in theater?" <laughs> And he says, yeah, absolutely. I was like, you mean I don't have to have, like, any improv experience? He goes, no, if you have a bachelor's in theater. You are totally uh qualified to um to audition. I was like, okay. And he goes, auditions are in two days. I have one slot left. Would you like it? <laughs> and I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, anyway, so I hung up the phone. And then I called another actor friend of mine in Chicago and
1: uh,
2: and I said, quick, you have five minutes to tell me everything you know about improv. <laughs> I haven't auditioned in two days, and I don't know what I'm doing. So, so basically she says to me, okay, when you go to the audition, this is all you have to remember. Agree with everything your scene partners say. Mm-hmm. Don't say no to anything. Say yes to everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And don't ask any questions. Make statements. Mm Right. These were the only things that she told me. Oh, no, and then she said, and don't talk at the same time as anyone else. Yeah. So, basically, you know, don't interrupt anyone. Agree with everything that's being said and make statements. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's such a long story. I'm so sorry. Um. So, I go to the audition. I almost didn't even go to the audition. First of all, my roommate at that time, um, basically said to me, "You either go to that audition, or uh, I'm not letting you back in the apartment."
1: <laughs>
0: nice. I
1: like this. So, I was like, it's yeah, fine. <laughs> So, um, it's a little more
0: it's a little more harsh than the are you sure guy but it's the same result
1: right right yeah
2: totally so um we're basically noticing a through line it's like I need those people who yeah. are going to say to me you either do this or else
1: yeah. Okay. yeah um so anyway so I go to the audition and it was this group audition
2: uh And they were calling people up on stage, like, five at a time. And they were calling in alphabetical order. So, like, you know, my last name is Shaw, so I was towards the end, right? Right. So I'm sitting in the audience watching everyone else audition, and I'm laughing my ass off because everyone was being so funny. I'm like, this is so fun. This is such a great show. (laughs) And then they called my name, and I literally had a moment of, like, oh, shit, that's right. I'm here to audition. Right. This isn't a show, <laughs> like, right? Like I got so swept into just watching everyone that I forgot. But anyway, whatever. Right. So, um, <laughs> so fast forward to the audition. I like. I think I maybe managed to say like one sentence at the very end of whatever the scene was that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, left the audition thinking, well. That sucked. I didn't say anything. <laughs> you know, like I, I contributed like zero to that scene. Right. This is what was my impression, right? Right. Um. So they had given us like the location. So this is the scene that they had us do. They said you're at you're at a religious retreat. Go. I sat down on the stage and meditated. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> And then I just kept thinking, okay, just don't talk at the same time as anyone else. Right. So I sat and I just listened to everything that everyone else was saying. Yeah. And then I got to the end of the scene, and one of the women in the scene turned to me and said, so what do you think? You haven't said anything yet. And I kind of looked at everyone, and I was like, I think I'm in the wrong retreat. Was this news for Moses? <laughs> or something. Yeah. I don't know. Right. It was something, I said some, something along those lines. But yeah. um anyway. And then they called the scene and I was like, oh damn it, I shouldn't have said that. I said I didn't contribute a thing. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Fast forward. <laughs> I get a letter in the mail from the conservatory program. And, uh, opened it up and, you know, they let me know I had, I had been accepted. And, uh, I read it, and I I was, like, shocked that they had sent it to the
1: wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there must be some mistake. Yeah. No. <laughs> so,
2: um, anyway, so I, I go, I show up for the first day of class, and, uh, we're doing introductions, and everyone in the room is going around and saying, like, they have X number of years of improv training, this many years of being in an improv troupe, right. and they would, they had toured the country with this <laughs> improv troupe and that improv yeah. troupe, and I'm thinking further down in my seat, further down in my seat going, oh my god, like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know anything about improv, like, I haven't done, I know nothing, right. I'm, I'm, I, you know, and, um, and Michael Gelman was the instructor of that class, right? So she gets to my turn and Gelman looks at me and says, and you? What? What? What's your story? And I was like, um, I have zero improv training and zero improv experience. Right. Um, and he goes, so how'd you get here? I was like, I
1: auditioned. <laughs> and they said, okay. And so like, I was like, I I have a theater degree
2: and he was like, Oh, you're an actor <laughs> like, Yes, I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> And um that anyway, that was the beginning uh of my improv journey and now like X number of years later, it's now like accidentally become like the the main thing that I keep coming
0: back to, you know, like. Yeah, well, I think that happens to a lot of people. And it's funny that, back to Michael Gelman again, that he was your first teacher. Um, And uh, by the way, so the guy at the store, I thought you were going to yeah. say he was like someone who worked there or something. Who was he?
2: He did work there. And I own Brian Posen oh. And he was, like, one of the, he was one of the big, uh, very influential faculty members at Second City at the time. Um, and he was actually present at my audition when I auditioned for the conservatory. So, like, but had I not met Brian Posen great. at
1: Brookstone, <laughs> I would not have called Second City to
0: register for class. No, anyway. it's great. So, See, these are, these are the best stories. By the way, I also think... It's
1: also, like, one of those things um, where,
2: uh, you know, you know the movie Sliding Doors?
0: I've never seen it, but I know what it is. Maybe I have seen it, but Um, yes, I know it.
2: Yeah, it's really, um, it's really good. I highly recommend it. It's such a good movie. So, but it's one of those movies where it's like, uh, it explores the... um, the question of, like, if one little detail right. of your day had been slightly different,
1: right,
2: your life would go on a completely different path. Right. right. So, here are these, like, all these people that I've met along the way um, who were such an influence in such a tiny, like, seeming at the time such a tiny um, moment in a day, yep. It ends up being the most kind of influential and, uh,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, that's why. Not just in the acting and whatever world, but just in life in general, you never know what's going to happen. Just, just be decent to everybody. You know, be open to everybody, and and you just never know. But I also think it's funny. That what's that? No, I just said yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And that all goes back to the, the gym, that, that, funny, ironically, that goes back to the improv philosophies as well. And, you know, I think that informal advice you were given about improv, you know, just remember those three things, um, agree with everything, don't ask questions, and don't interrupt. I feel like yeah. if, if somebody never took any other classes or anything, but just remember those three things, they actually do. Pretty well in improv. That 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 pretty much covers the the basics, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. No, I really do. So I think when, in doubt,
0: yeah.
2: when in doubt, call your best actor friend, who's yeah. already taken an improv class, and say you have five minutes to tell me everything you know about improv. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. So um, we're getting toward the end of the time, and it's totally fine. It's great. That's what this is for. Like I said, I. I shouldn't try to force it to go in one direction or another. Um, and uh, we'll have you back on another time, and we'll talk more. We'll, we'll just continue on because, again, I really do want to yep. talk about Chicago, then New York, then St. Louis, then L.A., uh, and of course, yeah. your and I go on
1: tangents like crazy. No, so and, or... we,
0: and we love it. This, this okay. podcast—I've said it before. This podcast is built for tangents, and that's a good thing, uh, so it's totally fine, but we'll have you back, and we'll also talk about your, your early, early years that we didn't get to, but in the little time we do have left, um, yeah. again, this this is, you know, we'll get more into all the details next time, but what I did want to ask you about was, you know, I remember when you were in New York, you told me that you did have this long-term plan of ending up in L.A., uh, which you did, yes. and you went to St. Louis in between. Um, I did. Can you talk about, and again, we'll get into more details next time, but in general, you know, you were Dude, in New York. A teaser for next time. As well. <laughs> it's a teaser, yeah, exactly. It's a big cliffhanger. It's a teaser for
1: next right? It's a, it's a, a cliffhanger, big cliffhanger, right? It's a big cliffhanger.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But in general, like, you were in New York. What mm-hmm. ended up making you decide to leave New York for St. Louis and why St. Louis oh, at that time?
1: I mean, like
2: uh, the simple answer is uh, I the simple. I'm gonna give a simple answer, which I never give. I'm really <laughs> gonna do it. I'm really gonna do it. Um, the simple answer is uh, my the, our landlord and I was sharing an apartment with three other women, so there were four of us living in this apartment in right. apartment. Um right. And it was amazing for the time that we had it. Uh, right. The simple answer is the landlord raised our rent. Uh-huh. And we kind of, like, she raised it so much that we just were, like, uh, we couldn't justify or I couldn't justify um, renewing the lease. Mm-hmm. And then it just brought up the next question of, like, well, if I'm not going to renew this lease, what do I do next?
1: Mm-hmm
2: kind of don't even think i want to be in new york
1: right
2: anymore but i didn't really know what the next thing was and i knew that i wasn't i just wasn't in a position to go directly from new york to los angeles Mm -hmm. um i knew that i needed to feel like i had a little bit more stability and a a little bit more um resources behind me (laughs) um so i called my mom and i said hey uh I'm thinking of subletting my room for like the remainder of the lease period. Yeah, uh, which was basically the holiday season. So I called her up and said, "Hey, can I can I just come home for the holiday season and like regroup a little bit and figure out what my next move is?" Right. Mm -hmm.
1: And she said, "Sure, of course. We always have things for you,
2: (laughs) you know, because she's amazing. She's mom, right?" Um. So, um. So, so I went home to St. Louis for what was meant to be the holiday season. Uh, and I was there for, I think, maybe two weeks and I started sending my headshot and resume off to, like, talent agencies in St. Louis to talent agencies in Chicago <laughs> as I was supposed to be on Christmas vacation. Right. Like, or Thanksgiving vacation or whatever time right. it was. Right. Um And uh, in a matter of, like, Two, the first two or three weeks that I was there I signed with an agency in Chicago. I signed with an agency in St. Louis yeah and so I went, okay, universe. <laughs> yeah. I get it.
1: Yeah
2: okay. Maybe I should stay in the Midwest for a little minute <laughs> like so um, so I did so basically like a little minute a little minute of what was supposed to be a holiday season turned into uh,
0: five years.
2: Well, it's amazing,
0: and you know it sounds like you kind of were ready anyway, like you said, and you know it's another example of you know again things kind of happening the way they they might be meant to um
1: yeah, I mean really, I really do believe that I really
2: do yeah. like and I feel like that's the conversation for the next time no,
0: it is because again, we're gonna get into the real nuts and bolts of being an actor in all those places and how you got your work and so forth. Cause you know, that's one of the big things this, this podcast is all about. Um, and, uh, you know, people out there might want to know about all those different places. So we will get to all that, but, um, you know, so, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about this on the podcast a lot. You know, New York is so expensive, and it's just getting more yeah. and more so. Um, yeah. You know, I talk to these young actors on the podcast who are just out of school, and granted, a lot of them have help from their parents and whatever, but a lot of them, too, though, they, they find these places with roommates, and and they make it work, but it's uh, yeah. it's not easy.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't um, the- – it
2: wasn't easy. But, you know, and for a while, New York was really great, and I loved yeah. being there. But yeah. um, then I, you know, like I said, if the kicker was that the landlady raised the rent. So I was like, all right, that's it. <laughs> well, right. I'm leaving. And you,
0: and you didn't <laughs> feel like... But I think
2: like... I had already been feeling that way anyway. Well, exactly. So right. it just kind of was like that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, yeah. all right, well,
0: I've been you, thinking you... about leaving anyway, so right. maybe you're you, just you time not... to do it. You had no desire to find another apartment. It sounds like yeah, no, no. yeah, no. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting too because
1: yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Here <laughs> we're
2: talking about the basic women problems are like, don't talk at the same time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and <laughs> anyway, uh, so what I was gonna say is like, then once I just got back to St. Louis, it's just like felt really nice to be home and yeah. like be around family and be in the suburbs, <laughs> like, yeah. um, just forcing myself to move at a slower pace and just reconnect with kind of like the core of life was and where I came from and, oh, yeah.
1: and,
2: and, the, and the people that I love and um, all of that. So it was a really, really special time being there. Um,
0: no, yeah. I totally understand. Um, and yeah. I can relate to that too. You know, as you know, I, I, uh, I left the city. I didn't go far. I went to Connecticut, but it's, it's close enough that I, I like, you know, that I still have access to it, but I don't live in the city. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's just such a different world, especially after you've been in the city, um, for, yeah. so, for so, many years. So yes, I, I totally get it. Um, totally. and it's interesting, you know, uh, on the opposite end, You know, I talked to one actress, um, and if anybody wants to hear about this, they can listen to the episode with uh, Julie McNamara. You know, she talked about her whole thing is, you know, not to be in a lease, not to be in anything where she has to necessarily stick around because she wants that total freedom to take a show out of town or go on a tour or just do whatever. So she's constantly like living really simply and subletting rooms and there's uh, apparently yeah. there's like Facebook groups for this stuff. Like one is called gypsy housing and whatever. Like,
2: yeah, that's a really great group. I oh, you know that.
0: Okay, cool. So, so yeah, you know, there are, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's easy and you definitely have to be careful, but there are ways to do it. Yeah. However you, however you want to do it. So very yeah, interesting. Definitely. All right. There's well, like I said, way, right? What's that? And
2: said, "Where
0: there's a will, there's a way." Right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. And it's and it's uh, you know you see what some of these actors do. Uh, a lot of them, and you know they're always yeah. running around. And they work a million day jobs and they do everything, but it's uh, yeah. it's all for for a reason, and and uh, you know it, it 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 manages so yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's a good note to, to go out on for this, for this part. But like I said, we will have you back very soon and get into Amazing. everything else. Uh, but this was, was really great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and thank you. do you want to share any social media or website or anything for yourself or no?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, you
2: know, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook. Uh, my, uh, We'll do Instagram. Um, It's the Cooper Shaw on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, You can follow that. I I occasionally remember to post things on there. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I am most active on Facebook, though, and uh, I do have a professional page on Facebook, and it is Cooper Shaw, um, actor, writer, director, I believe, is what it's called. It's my professional profile. Um,
1: Yeah. I'm off on Twitter. I,
2: but I rarely
1: tweet, so if mm. you want to
0: follow for no reason, <laughs> um, it, it's Shaw Flew the Coop on Twitter. Um. Shaw Flew the Coop, I like that. Yeah. Um, cool, well, well, we'll post all these links in the episode notes. Um, yeah. And um, for uh, anybody who wants to contact me about the podcast for any reason, it's. Craft Business Life Podcast at gmail.com. That's all one word. And uh also um uh, it, it'll probably be back up by the time I post this, or it may be a day or two. Uh, it's a long story, but we do have a GoFundMe page. I just have to go put it back up. <laughs> so it's uh, GoFundMe.com slash CraftBusinessLifePodcast. So this podcast will always be completely free and completely ad-free, but if you want to support it, um, you can there on the GoFundMe page. And, of course, that... That link will be uh, posted as well. Um, so again, Cooper Shaw has been my guest. Cooper, thank you again, and yeah, thank um, you. we will schedule the uh, the uh, second part very soon. And um, that's it. Until next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hello. 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 You all set? Yes. You properly caffeinated? I
2: I am caffeinating as we speak.
0: (laughs) So you're still in the process of caffeinating.
2: I am. But but at least it gave me enough, like, you know, I literally had just woken up when I texted you. Uh Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, I need time to, like, wash my face and brush my teeth and have water and then make coffee and then, like, you know, so anyway. All very reasonable
1: things.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, the Craft Business Life Podcast. This is part two of my interview with my old good friend, Cooper Shaw, um... Uh, we didn't release part one yet, so you should be listening to this continuously um, at this point, hopefully. Um, uh, there's so much to get into with her, and so uh, we're just going to continue kind of where we left off and cover stuff we didn't cover and see what happens. So um, one of the things we didn't cover uh in the first part, didn't get to, is, uh, Cooper Shaw the early years.
1: We, 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 we alluded
0: to the fact that you grew up in St. Louis, but then we basically kind of started with your college days and went from there. So yeah. let's talk about, uh, your family and growing up a little bit and when, uh, the acting and other creative bugs crept into your into your life. Uh, oh you're,
1: okay. you're, you already
0: mentioned that I think you mentioned that your parents have always been very uh, supportive and uh, yeah. I know you have uh, just one brother right? I have two brothers. Two brothers sorry yeah. Mm-hmm. This this whole podcast could actually be subtitled you know, a test of how well Lee knows his supposed friend, <laughs> oh which he fails miserably. <laughs> that's an awesome subtitle. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> how well do you really know your friend? Yeah. But <laughs> in, in the next
2: episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. But in my defense, we, we hadn't, uh, it had been a while since we, since we connected. No, that's uh,
2: true. And I'm pretty sure that, like you know, with, you know, the, whenever the last time was that we talked, I, re- I probably didn't mention my brothers very frequently, anyways. So. Right. No offense, brothers, but <laughs> right. And where are you in the age uh in the age order with your brothers? Uh, I am the youngest.
0: You are the youngest, and, okay. and the only girl. So you know, there's that. <laughs> so so uh, tell me a little bit about growing up in that family, and also. You know, how young were you when you started thinking about acting? Oh, so
2: um, it was a re- i mean, it was a really um, um pretty wonderful family unit to grow up in. Um, We—I was a mixed religion household. Where, um, you know, we were primarily—it uh, was a Jewish household. We were all raised Jewish, but um, our dad was Catholic, so we did Christmas and we did, you know. Easter, we had Easter egg hunts and we woke up and had Easter egg baskets and like, you know, so, um, it was fun. It was always exposed to a lot of, uh, a lot of different things that way. I think, made it, uh, uh, an
0: adventure. Um, well, let's, let's, let's uh, talk about that for a second because that is a somewhat unique. It's not that unique, especially these days, but it's a somewhat unique and it may have been more unique, uh, in general at that time you know it the sense i'm getting and tell me if i'm right or not is that you know they exposed you to both religions both cultures but it doesn't sound like there was any serious um conflict or or trying to push you in one direction or another or you know anything anything like yeah i mean it was very clear that
2: they were raising us jewish so mm-hmm. it wasn't um but there was never a sense of us being pushed to being Jewish. It was just we were, that was what we were being raised. Like, we went to synagogue. Um, uh, I was, my brothers and I were bar and bat mitzvahed, and, you know. Um, so it's very much, a like, part of my uh, cultural identity and um, all of that. I don't, I'm not really all that religious, uh, so... <laughs> um, But we were definitely exposed to um, both religions in the sense that, like, you know, I have cousins and aunts and uncles who are Catholic, and we would go to church for their weddings and um, all of that. So in that sense, we were exposed to it. We were exposed to the holidays, like we had a Christmas tree on one end of the room and a menorah on the other, (laughs) Um, you know, Christmas stockings hanging on one part of the room and our um, dreidels on the other,
0: (laughs) you know. So, yeah, well, um, right. That's cool. And was yeah. the the area you grew up in? And I'm sorry, remind me again. I know it's St. Oh, that's right. It was it was a, a suburb of St. Louis with that that French name that means lonely yeah. heart I mean, or
1: something. I mean, broken heart. Broken yeah, yeah. heart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I grew up in Creve Missouri. Uh, right. Um,
0: a,
2: you know, municipality of St. Louis. So. Right, but was
0: that town or that neighborhood in general? Uh, do you you know? Was it? Um, were there a fair amount of of Jewish families? Was it kind of, you know, even between between uh, Jews and Catholics or Jews and Christians? Excuse me, or did your
2: you, yeah, do you know?
1: Mean, my
2: experience of it was that it was fairly even and there was a, there was a pretty high Jewish population of that area. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't really know what the statistics were, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, um, but my experience of it was that like, I never felt like I was in the minority, you know, but I, I probably would credit that to like my parents making sure that like we went to synagogue so that we knew that we were connected in these ways. And I went to youth group. And so like, I knew that I was connected in those ways to other people. And, um, um, but yeah, my, my school had, uh, a, a pretty large Jewish population as far as I remember. But it might have also been that, like, you know, those were the people that I gravitated towards. So I always felt like there were enough of us around. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm not really sure. No, that's, uh, what, that's Again, funny. like I said, I don't know what the statistics actually no, were.
1: I, I didn't expect
0: you to have the exact percentages on hand. I just, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did your parents sure you did, do? Lee. <laughs> what?
2: I just said, sure you did, Lee. Yeah. You're all about the specifics. Yeah, I'm
0: all about um, the data and the, the numbers. So right? what, uh, what did your parents do?
2: Uh, so my mom is a uh, a painter and a sculptor and a photographer. she's an artist oh and uh she was an art teacher um, uh when I was growing up she taught um art classes at the j c c at the jewish community center and then um and then she started teaching as a, as kids got a little older she started teaching at um some of the area high schools and um and then later became the uh, the chair of the art department, at a high school that I went to. Um, waited until we all grad at school before she started working there. So, oh,
1: okay. <laughs> I thank her for. So, yeah. You
0: know, anyway, I'm being silly, but no, 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 that's that's legitimate because you know there are there are many uh, families where where there's you know one of the parents is a teacher or works at the school and, and that can be understandably difficult for, for the kids. So I think that's good.
2: Um, yeah, so um, you know, I, I say it as a joke that I'm like, thank you for waiting until we left to start sure. teaching there. But um uh yeah so um she was the chair of the art department at that school and um uh so yeah so she's an artist and uh our dad was a psychologist.
0: Wow, so that's actually a pretty good combo for for someone getting into acting and writing and stuff. That that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Right. <laughs> and so you and your brothers all went to public schools? We did, yeah. Nice, nice. All right. And so for you then you know, when did the acting, you know, uh, desire or tendency start to pop up?
2: Uh, so that uh, I'm trying to figure out, Lee, I'm sorry. Cause like I have a tendency to go on like super crazy tangents. So (laughs) I'm trying to figure out what the entry point of this story is for you. Um, do do we go like way way back?
1: <laughs>
0: I want you to do whatever you want, like I said uh like I said before too it, this this podcast is is built for ten it's not a problem, okay so um
2: so i officially I took my very first drama class when I was in eighth grade mhm
1: um
2: and uh and then, like you know that was also at the time when uh. A lot of my friends were joining after school clubs and I didn't really know like what club I wanted to join. I wasn't really like, you know, I took dance classes and acrobatics and gymnastics and stuff when I was a kid, but I wasn't really like into sports. Right. And there wasn't an acrobatics club to join, you know, and like, so anyway, um, I took a drama class and then also joined the drama club. (laughs) And, like, I laughed because I did it because I just didn't know, like, what else to get involved with. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And at the time, I was also this, like, super awkward, shy kid.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So, um, I don't know. I just was, like, I I was awkward and shy and, like, didn't really get how to naturally socialize with people and, um... Anyway, so I was in this drama class, and I joined the drama club. And uh, we did—I uh, think—in drama, the part of the drama club, we did a play called "If Sherlock Holmes Were a Woman."
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I that was the—that was the title. That was the title of the play, "If Sherlock Holmes Were a Woman," and like it's hilarious that I still remember this. Oh my god! Um, so. If Sherlock Holmes were a woman, right? And I played a hypochondriac. (laughs) And so, like, I basically decided, or somehow, like, between the director and myself, we decided that, like, that meant I needed to have a box of Kleenex with me all the time, right? And, like, just randomly (laughs) (laughs) sneeze. I don't know. Um, So I remember doing the performance of this play. And at some point during the performance somebody forgot a line and skipped half of the play like wow. said the wrong line right and skipped yeah. half of the play
1: Yeah. and
2: it was like you could feel the collective silent panic go through the entire cast sure. where <laughs> that line was spoken and then it went dead silence and we all just looked at each other
1: <laughs> yeah, always fun when could
2: see like one of the actors looked at one of the other actors and was like, kind of trying to gesture that it was her turn.
1: Yeah, and, you know when you're
2: of, like, no, it's not me, and point to the next person, and that so this like ripple of oh my god went through the entire cast, and I'm sitting there going. I have no lines. I don't even know how to cover this, right? And it was like we were young enough actors that we didn't know how to cover.
0: <laughs> That's what I was going to say, you, you know, know. When, you know, the irony is that kind of thing is more likely to happen when you're younger and you're less prepared for how to handle it. Um, yeah, 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 right? Know, so, you, like, we have no idea that. how to cover. So,
2: like, yeah. all I could think was, get me out of here. <laughs> It was, like, that fight or flight sort of, like, I seriously felt like it It was, like, I don't know, at the time it felt like a life or death situation. Like, I was that, like, panicked
0: over it. Right.
2: So my brilliant idea, and this is I this is the big thing that I remember from this, is, like, I decided, oh, I'm hypochondriac. I'll just start sneezing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just remember doing this whole stream of sneezes just to try to like at least fill the space. Yeah. And then I just ran off the stage. (laughs) i was like, I'm sorry, I'm not feeling well. And I was like, and I ran off the stage. And so it was at that point we like, you know, whatever, somehow the play ended. I don't even remember how we got through to the end. Um, I remember us doing our curtain call, and I went out into the audience afterwards to meet my parents. And, they, you know, they hugged, and they were like, oh, my God, that was so amazing. You were so great, you know, as as parents do. And um, I just remember looking at both of them and saying, I am never doing this ever again. (laughs) And, like, as soon as that drama class was over, I seriously vowed, like, never to do theater again. I was never going to act again. Wow. That was it. I was done. It was the most mortifying experience of my entire life, <laughs> never to be repeated. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: <laughs>
2: and you know, we see how well that that went. <laughs> and like I like to say that I stick to my guns when I make those decisions. Not true. Um, yeah. So that was the, That was like kind of like the beginning and the end. <laughs> Question mark? Because um, I did at that time vow I was never going to do it again. But clearly, I'm, I'm. You know, now it's my career. So, <laughs> so when?
0: So what happened? When did you decide to, to try it again?
2: Ah, yeah, so junior year of high school. <laughs> uh huh. You know, um, which you know when you're. When you're younger, that's a, that's a huge difference, because it's a lot of years uh, between eighth grade and junior year. is like yeah. it's an eternity. Um, so anyway, my junior year of high school, I had a hole to fill in my schedule, mm-hmm. and uh, it was either take an acting class or take shop,
1: mm.
2: and I was afraid of power tools. So I took acting,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, uh, and, and and I absolutely adored it. I was like, oh, my God, where's this been all my life?
0: <laughs> you know. Really? So at that point, even though you hadn't really consciously thought, I want to try this again, it just happened because you had to take the class, but this time it actually clicked for you. Yeah, it did. Right. I don't
2: know, like, the prerequisite, um, so, like, the prerequisite at, at my high school at the time to taking an acting class is you had to take improv
1: first.
0: So, a so prerequisite in your high school
2: yeah. for acting? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you had to take improv first, and so it was the improv class that was the first sort of, like, <laughs> foray in, back into <laughs> right. uh, studying acting, and, um... It was just amazing, and it was like, you know, I had this, uh, my my high school drama teacher, Kurt Natalcedar, Um I can give him a, a, an amazingly huge shout-out. What was that name? Kurt Um <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name. Uh, we called him, we called him, yeah, it was a great name. We called him Mr. K, <laughs> uh-huh. um, and uh, he was just really super influential, uh, just in terms of, like, he was a really supportive teacher, and he sort of fostered this environment where we could kind of, like, explore our own voices and explore kind of, like, you know, what does it mean to be a performer, and, um, he, ma- and he made it fun at the same time that was, like, wow. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: So, it was kind of like that was the beginning for me of where I started to find this, um, this way too, cause like, I don't know, I'm gonna backtrack just a little bit. So, I feel like also, like I kind of mentioned, that I was a really shy, like awkward kid, and I feel like I got made fun of a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Like I got, you know, kids poked fun, and whatever, I would find any excuse to like, you know, kids were mean, right? Yeah. So, um, so once I started getting involved in the acting classes, and the improv classes, and stuff in high school, all of a sudden, this thing happened, this, like, switch slipped in me where I was like, wait a minute. You mean I can I can be funny on purpose?
1: Right. And,
2: like, <laughs> and make people laugh on purpose, and then I'm cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not, yeah, like, the
2: kid that's being made fun of. I'm the one who's making fun before everyone else does. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it was, like, it was a really amazing a uh, sort of turning point for me as a
0: as a human creature, well, I think that's you know certainly one of the common reasons people start getting attracted to it, especially when they're young, although at, yeah. and at any age really that can be a good reason but um and and often is, but what I do want to ask you about is see this is a kind of a similarity that you and I have, which is. You know, you've had a very versatile uh, training and experience of both having all this improv background and constantly having improv being a part of your of your career, um, mm-hmm. and you know, quote unquote serious for lack of a better word acting. Uh, and you of course got, right, and you got your MFA and so forth, yeah. and we're going to talk about that. But what I found, you know, and I had a similar thing. I got into plays very early, but also improv right away in high school, uh, and got hooked on it too. Um, yeah. But what I found start, what I found happened eventually in New York for me sort of. The long story short what I'm trying to say is you can get pigeonholed by people if they think of you in, like, an improv context, which, therefore, to them is a comedy context, and then Mm. they want to label you as an improv actor or a comedic actor. So they don't think of you as, like, a serious, legitimate, dramatic actor also. Have you yeah. have you ever have you ever struggled with trying to balance those things or or you know yeah. feeling like people don't realize that you have both sides?
1: Yeah, I think
2: so. I think like
0: um
2: it's an excellent question. Uh I think it's something that I did struggle with um and I do think it's like you know it's a common it's a common uh sort of Assumption that if someone is an improviser, that means they're a comedic performer. Like, right. um, so I've had discussions with people about that. That is like, I don't know, uh, they're interesting. They're interesting discussions, and it's it's, uh, um, yeah. Anyway, um, I feel like, I feel like I don't have an easy answer to this. Yes, I've struggled with it, and also I feel like I don't know if it's a byproduct of like the industry changing and perceptions changing. And also, um, improvisation has become much more uh, of a global sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Where um, there was a period of time where, like, it wasn't as widespread and as encouraged for people to use it as a tool for X, Y, Z. Mm-hmm. And now it's like there are people that are famous for being amazing improvisers, right so <laughs> um, i think I think it's because of that because like the global perception of and philosophy of improv and what it can be used for and what mm-hmm. is it, and like there are so many actors and artists and and um uh creative practitioners who are using improv and and uh all of that and bringing it more into the into the again the global sphere that i think it's changing that perception so where it's like now <laughs> um now for sure i think it's like a, a huge selling point for an actor to to have improv experience or an improv background
0: yeah, and let's talk a little bit about, because again, one, an- another, you know, aspect of this podcast is trying to give actors advice and, and you know, things from, from your experience and your teaching and everything. So, yeah. let's talk a little bit about this idea of improv as a tool for actors. You know, you, you um we mentioned in part one about Second City having the improv for actors, you know, track and... Yeah. As you said, you're absolutely, these days there's a ton of overlap and actors Mm -hmm. are frequently told, you know, get improv training, get improv on your resume, you know, Mm -hmm. people love to see that, especially commercials and things, but anything. Yeah. But, you know, I think one of the ways it can get confusing is you know, in some cases, in some audition scenarios or what have you, actors are told they can improvise dialogue or, you know, kind of ad-lib a little bit off of the script. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But let's assume that they can. Let's assume that we're talking about a script and they're not supposed to improvise any lines, but there's so much more to how you can use improv as a tool in your acting, it's not you, you know obviously it's not just about making up the lines yourself. So so outside so so when you do have a script that you have to stick to, what are some ways though that the improv training and tools can can help actors? Oh,
2: you with the hard hitting questions. Um, <laughs> it's a. Uh I mean, at the core of it, I think improv is just a really amazing way to um, tap into your listening skills
1: Mm -hmm.
2: because you have to, because acting, as they say, acting is reacting. Right. And, you know, in order to have that really, truly kind of organic, grounded reaction, you need to really let yourself be present in the moment. And really listen to your fellow actors. Yeah. And, but and like, listen with your entire being, right? Right. Not just with your ears. (laughs) So like, and I really, really, really full on, 100% believe that improv, uh, helps build that foundation, those foundations, like the being in the moment and the listening Mm -hmm. and the really, uh, the yes and is a huge thing, too, because, like, you really, in that philosophy, allow what your scene partner is offering and bringing to the table, uh, allow it to be the truth and the reality, and then synthesize it into your own being and then have your reaction. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, I mean, just on so many levels,
0: uh, it's just... Uh, you know, it's priceless. Absolutely. And also, you know, you know, what I would think is, you know, just because the lines are locked in, you know, the way you say them can vary and the behavior you're doing while saying them can vary. And through audition and rehearsal and discovery, you you often want to explore all those different ways to say it and meanings to put behind it and behavior yeah, yeah, yeah. to do with it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, um, you know, yeah, you can... Yeah,
0: and the
2: improv helps yeah. with that, too. But, like, it's right. an interesting way that you say, like, you know, to let the lines be said differently.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: a lot of also, like, really hearing what your fellow actor is saying and synthesizing that and having an honest reaction
0: to it. Right. So
2: that... If you're doing that, then, yeah, the lines are going to come out differently. <laughs> like,
0: exactly, you know. exactly. And then the whole idea that, like, you know, if you're playing a real human being, a real three-dimensional character, you know, in real life, you know, it, it's messy. And, and we don't always say what we mean or, or say it the way that you would think you would say it or, or whatever, right? And so, you know, if, if an actor's afraid of, you know, not saying it perfectly, or the way he's saying it not making sense, or whatever, I think that that takes away from understanding, you know, the the humanity of of, of all these things, and that you're not playing a caricature, you know, yeah, right. or some presentational. Um, thing you know real people are are random and are unpredictable and so yeah, yeah. I think that all that all factors into that um yeah, for sure. very cool, very cool um, but anyway, okay, so getting back to so you're in high school and so it was junior year that you got back into it, and then junior year uh, that I got
2: back into so it was it. only a couple of years
0: then, and then, as we said in the previous one you uh you went, you were ready at that point though, because you decided to go right forward in college, right? Well, yeah, it's ish. Ish, yeah.
2: <laughs> um, ish. So, uh, at that point it was, um, you know, we're, we're meeting with our, uh, advisors in, in high school and the you know, the advisors that were helping us to sort of figure out like what colleges are you going to be applying to, what universities are, are interesting you and mm-hmm. so I was meeting with my advisor mm-hmm. who um, was asking, you know, kept asking me like, so what do, what do you uh, what do you want to study? <laughs> what do you want what do you what do you see yourself majoring in? Yeah. <laughs> And I just kinda looked at him and I was like, I don't know, I'm uh I'm really good at math.
1: <laughs> and work, so like you know, he looked
2: about I, I was getting well, not anymore, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but
1: like,
2: at the time I was really good at math
1: and uh-huh. like, you know, I was getting really great great grades in my math classes and yeah. you
2: know. I was kind of a little bit of a uh uh you know, kinda, you know, geeked out over it. I was like, mm-hmm. Ooh, what is that? How do you do okay. Cool. So um, anyway, I was like, oh, I'm really good at math. And he, he stops and he looks at me and he goes, okay, but what do you want to study? Right. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm really good at uh, in my French classes. You know, I'm doing great in, in language. Right. And he was like, uh, okay, but what do you want to study? Right. <laughs> and I think we went through, like, I don't know how many different, of this question, yeah. and I kept getting all these other answers, like, "Well, what do you want to study, you know, and I was like, yeah. well, uh, I'm doing great in my psychology class, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, so finally he says to me, yes, yes, but what do you want to study, and I was like, well, I really love my theater class,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he was like, all right, done, you're studying theater, <laughs> and I think at the time, like, I remember sitting there sitting across his desk from him and looking at him. And he's like, he says to me, you're studying theater. And I looked at him and I was like, people do that? Right. (laughs) And he was like, well, yes. I'm like, oh, okay. So that was kind of it. Like, it was my high school guidance counselor (laughs) who made the decision for me. Um, Yeah. Thankfully and not.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a good guidance counselor. And I mean...
1: You know, I, I feel like
0: it's safe to say you would have found your way back to it on your own eventually, but maybe it would have I taken a lot.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah it, I think it would have taken like a, a crazy amount of time. Um, yeah. So, uh, so thank you to. Um, <laughs> I just think it was pretty amazing, though, that he had the sensitivity to see that, like, here was this kid who was like. Well, I'm good at this. I'm good at this, but I really love doing this. And then to like, I don't know, have the almost like spiritual sensitivity to say, well, let's foster the thing that she really loves.
1: Absolutely.
2: You know, that's pretty amazing. I think
0: so. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh yes. Um. Uh. By the way, did uh you know i mean your mom had the artistic uh you know um the artistic background and, and what she did like you said um what did your brothers end up uh doing for 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 their with, uh, with their lives
2: ah so um one brother is a graphic designer oh that's right graphic artist mm-hmm. um and he uh, uh got his masters in, in fine art photography Right. And then um was self taught in the graphic design, graphic, um, artistry world. So mm-hmm. um he's also very creative. Um and uh, and the other brother is a writer. <laughs> so, you know
0: <laughs> a writer, um, and he uh, a writer of fiction or everything. Yeah, he writes
1: fiction. Mm-hmm. He
2: writes fiction, um and uh also has um Sort of gone, uh, you know, as people need to support themselves. Um, he is now a technical writer for um, various corporations and writing their, um, uh, in house documents and stuff like that. And like,
3: yeah, but, uh, slightly
2: more complicated, like slightly more complicated, uh, lingo that needs to be put out to the public. He's, translating that into layman's terms and like, so that companies can communicate with the
0: public at large. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I understand. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you all, but you all did end up doing something creative. That's, that's very cool. Um, that is true. Yeah. So, um, we talked in the previous episode about, about your college and how you ended up in Chicago and all that. And, um, and we we did talk a little bit about it but i i don't remember if we got into it exactly what what prompted the move from chicago to new york and the um decision to get your mfa at the new school at that point
2: mm. um well hmm. i think that i don't i don't know sometimes i don't know what prompts these things they just kind of <laughs> okay <laughs> It's like a yeah. light bulb goes off, and I'm like, "Oh, this is what I'm going to do next." And yeah. So, um, yeah. so uh, which I think goes back to what I said in the in part one. I think I said, "Oh, bicycle." Yeah. So, I,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, English. okay, I get it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> this is what I'm going to do now. Um, so, but I mean, like you know, in all seriousness, I think that on some level, I always wanted to continue on to get a master's, Um, Mm -hmm. like after I finished my bachelor's, I kind of like you know, a lot of people that I was in school with at the time were directly applying for master's programs straight from undergrad. Mm
1: -hmm. Excuse me, yes.
2: But I kind of knew enough for myself at that time that I wasn't ready to just continue on, that I would need to take some time and kind of like, you know, figure out what was next. Um, but I think I did know on some level that I, I would eventually want to go on for the master's. So I do believe that the moment that the, oh, this is what I'm going to do next mm-hmm. actually happened was while I was sitting in a class at Second City um, as part of the conservatory program. So, like, (laughs) I was sitting in class, and we were having this discussion after somebody had done a scene about, like, you know, what was, what were the circumstances of the scene, and did we really feel that the the improvisers were serving those circumstances, and blah, blah, blah. So, but it was, like, a really fascinating discussion. And I can remember sitting there going, I need a master's degree in this. (laughs)
1: Right. Like,
2: now's the time like I'm ready I'm ready to like dig deeper basically so that was the that was the moment for me it was like yes I love uh doing improv and studying improvisation and being at second city was such a like (laughs) mind-blowing uh performance experience and theatrical experience and educational I mean like on so many levels I can't even um but that was definitely the moment when I was like, all right, now that I've done this, it's time to dig deeper. I need to get more into, like, the gut of things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I started applying for a master's program. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, that whole uh, preparation phase of, like, narrowing it down to which schools really fit what I want to do and um and uh, and the actor Studio Drama School was one of those, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, required for the audition process. Um, theirs was a little unusual because they were asking for a scene, not um, not monologues and not Shakespeare and not you know, mm-hmm. you know they really wanted you to do a you know prepare a scene with a scene partner. So I turned to my friend, Joshua Becker,
1: <laughs> mm.
2: who, you know, I was, we were both living in Chicago at the time, um, and uh, I think I mentioned Josh in part one. Here. You did, um, you did. Yeah. The whole, you're going to be my friend. Anyway. <laughs>
1: yep, exactly.
2: So I asked Josh to be my theme partner for my audition for graduate school, and um, uh, and he said yes. So uh, that was it. So we did a scene, um, and uh, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to get in or not because, like, I mean, I felt good about the work that I did. But, you know, it's always that <clears throat> question of, like, all right, I may have done well, but mm-hmm. who knows? Um. Anyway, and then so there it is. I got in very really long answer to your question,
0: sorry. No, no. So it's interesting, you know, training is one of the big subtopics of this podcast. You know, I'm very fascinated by it. Uh, one of the reasons, I think, being that when I was coming up as an actor, I didn't have much formal training, and I was arrogant enough to think I didn't need it. But, um, you know, and it's always that thing of, you know, how can you teach something like acting? Um but a lot of actors I've spoken to nowadays, you know, tell me just like you said that they they knew they needed more training, and I'm very impressed by the discipline and and self awareness that that people have. Um, but you know, you mentioned the idea of you know choosing the right school for you for the MFA. Um, that's mm-hmm. a great that's a great thing for actors to hear about because a lot of actors are going to face that same decision. You know, I I do want an MFA. It's a big it's a big thing to to dive into. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not just academically and and to take three years of your life or two years of your life or whatever, but also financially and so forth. Um, right. So, you know, what what was it that that you know what was your criteria when you were saying I want to make sure this is the right school for me? What made the new school the right school, and what advice would you give actors who are trying to decide on a master's program for themselves? Uh, well, uh, that
2: particular, the, the um, impetus to apply to that particular program uh, for me was that it was a um, Stanislavski-based
0: program. Okay. I was going to ask, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Primarily. Primarily. Mm -hmm. Um, which kind of was in line with what I had initially wanted to, um, accomplish by pursuing the masters, which is that like, I just wanted to dig deeper and get into like the gut of things Mm -hmm. and like, um, really be able to imbue things with like my own sense of like my emotional core and my spiritual core and like all of that stuff. And it just kind of felt to me like, you know, the, the Stanislavski based work would be the way to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I'd had, um you know, my bachelor's in theater, which is, <laughs> I sort of like, I oversimplify that training a little bit sometimes just to say like, the process for me became a little bit like, um, The Bachelors was where I learned to walk and talk at the same time. (laughs)
1: Right.
2: You know, uh, in costume and not fall. Um, (laughs) You know, the, uh (laughs) and then Second City was where I learned to like really listen to my fellow actor and really be present in the moment. Mm. And then the Mousers was where I really learned to bring like a solid foundation to the work.
0: You know. What a great, What a great breakdown, and what a great way to be aware of how your own training progressed and worked together. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny because, like, (laughs) I think that might be the most concise (laughs) explanation of that I've
0: ever given. So thank you. (laughs) But do you, you know, do you have any thoughts about, you know, what actors, you know, should think about, you know, when they are considering? Uh, you know, what school to go to and, and the idea of getting an MFA? <clears throat> um,
2: hmm, I don't know that I have any advice other than, um, know yourself, mm-hmm. I guess, in terms of, like, know where you are as an actor and know, um, know what you want to accomplish next, really. Um, and what does that mean? Because it's going to be something different for each person, right? Sure. Like, um, there are some master's programs that uh, immediately provide you with the opportunity to uh, come out of the program with your equity card. Uh, so, um, you know, there those, those are definitely things to hold on heavily consider. Um, but also, like, you know, and then that's where you get into the question of, like, <laughs> to union or not to union? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, You know, and it's different for everyone, whether, um, you know, where their career is going and what, again, what they want to accomplish in their career and, um, what kinds of opportunities are coming your way and what kinds of opportunities do you want to come your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of, I think, helps in answering that question um, of like, well, what school do I go to? Um hmm
0: you know. Well, it makes sense, and uh, yeah, the Union 9, thing is another thing that's come up a lot, of course, um, but, you know, what's also been interesting to me, and what I think actors hearing this hopefully can take uh, a positive uh, comfort in, um, you know, the cynical side of me, and I guess, you know, someone who's watched too many dramatic movies, uh, you know, imagines these programs being cutthroat, and you know, everybody's competing with each other and blah, blah, blah. But everyone I've spoken to about their master's program and other conservatory programs has said, uh, pretty <laughs> much everyone that I can remember has said, you know, no, 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 it, it's great. Uh, you know, you bond with these people and, and it's
1: yeah. supportive
0: and, cause you're all there as a group, I, I, it seems to me, um, mm-hmm. You're actually there as a group all with the same goals and trying to work together to yeah. to, to learn what you're learning. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's quite the opposite of, of what I imagine. So that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. Um,
2: you know, and really great friendships are formed. And then those kind of... Right. Those can become the people that you continue to collaborate with, exactly. you know, once right. you leave grad school and, and enter into the world. <laughs> a lot of that, too.
0: Exactly. You know. absolutely yeah. uh, wonderful. <laughs> Very cool. So, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the actual training there that you got with your MFA at the New School. So you said it's Stanislavski-based. I was going to ask that. Now, obviously, yeah. um, you know, Stanislavski and then all his different, all the different, you know, uh, um, you know, branches that eventually came off of that, the different right. teachers and philosophies, you know, I've spoken to people who took a Strasbourg based method. I've spoken to people who took a Stella Adler based method, et cetera, et cetera. But are you saying that the new school one stuck with like the initial, you know the original Stanislavski methodology, not a not one of the not one of the later interpretations of it. Well, they they did they did a really great job of uh, giving
2: us experience with all of it. So um, yeah, so at the core it was a Stanislavski based program, which um, you know the first year was uh, it was called basic tech. <laughs> So, for the first year acting class was called basic tech, and that was basically basically in basic tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, use your words, Cooper. Um, <laughs> um, that was uh, very much like let's get into the the core of you know doing the sensory work, and that mm-hmm. was that was very uh, Stanislavski based, like mm-hmm. um, you know. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, later in that year, uh, in that same class, the class that I was in, we did a lot of, um, Meisner work as well. So
1: that
2: was really, um, I was super grateful for that. Uh, so, and it was all, it always had like, um, practical applications. Like we would dig into doing the sensory work and then immediately once you get to, excuse me that core of whatever the exercise was you were doing at that time. Um, once you got to the core of it, like, resonating in your body, then immediately the instructor said to us, right, now we'll go to your text.
1: So we could see oh, sort of like, oh, if, nice. I'm
2: play, if I'm playing with this tool, this is how that influences the way the words come out.
1: Oh!
2: <laughs> like, so, um, super grateful for, uh, mm-hmm. always the reminder that yes, we're digging into these deeper emotional places and there's always a practical application for it. So I never felt at any point, like I was just left to like <laughs> wallow in, <laughs> like sitting around in the circle and crying, you
1: know? <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> No, exactly. That's, that's great. And, you know, of course, that's always something I ask too, is whether you, you feel you have, you know, real practical techniques and strategies and tools that, that you have continued to use, you know, when you're working on a role and so forth. So. Oh, definitely. Sounds definitely. like you certainly have. Yeah. And, yeah. Um,
2: and then I think yeah. a lot of that, um, credit goes to the instructors that I had who, like, we're always there to remind us, listen, this is you're building your toolbox right now. Right. So like you're this is what this is, is you're building your actor toolbox. So don't like don't use a screwdriver when what you need is a monkey wrench.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So well, that's that's right. I've always thought again, and I'm and I'm far from an expert, but I've always thought you know, the most practical concept is that, like, you have a lot of different possible tools and you got to find what works for the particular situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so for those that don't know, and I'll actually, believe it or not, include myself in this to, to a large degree. Actually, no, I, I really don't know much about it. You know, you hear these terms with Stanislavski, like sensory work. Um so what will give us a basic overview of that what 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 is the basic oh my
1: goodness.
0: you know okay. well when you say sensory work what, what does that mean yeah.
2: <clears throat> so um there's a whole series of exercises that uh were developed to work on uh awakening your senses and bringing bringing the the truth of your own senses into a moment so that hmm. Uh, the idea, the idea being, um, to find sort of a like a backdoor way into um, living truthfully in imaginary circumstances. Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> and as real as you can make those imaginary circumstances for yourself, uh, the better. Right. Mm. So. <clears throat> The sensory work is, like, we would do exercises like breakfast drink.
1: <laughs> right.
2: You know? And then, like, it's, I don't know. Whatever. To, to people who haven't, like, experienced it or don't really know it, it, it sounds kind of like, what? And, like, you know, I'm sure people have done comedy routines on it. Right. Um, as well. But <clears throat> we um, it would start with breakfast drink. I think that was the first one that we did. We all sit there, and the instructor would side coach us about, like, you know, really see the the beverage in front of you on whatever surface it's sitting on. Um, but we would be sitting in our chairs, facing kind of in like a, a direction that felt kind of neutral for us, so that we could, you know, create our own little bubble of imagination, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we would. Uh, create in our mind's eye in front of us, like at whatever table, and then on that table would be whatever the breakfast beverage was. And like mine was coffee, <laughs>
1: but,
2: um, you know, even different for other people. Yeah, um, maybe some people did orange juice, I don't know. Um, but uh, and we were continually side coached uh, by our instructor to like really see the same.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If, and, you know, and then once you really see the, the beverage in front of you, then let yourself reach out to hold it, you know, take it in your hand. Mm-hmm. But then in the taking of it in your hand, like really know what te- what's the texture.
1: Mm-hmm. What, how
2: big is it? What does it
1: mm-hmm.
2: feel like to the touch? What, what mm-hmm. color is it? What, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff.
1: Right. And then
2: she would give us the gentle sort of reminder and also permission to hit the reset button. So she would say if if once you reach out, the thing disappears, reset, start over. Mm-hmm. Do not continue to the next step of the exercise if everything has vanished. Right? Because then you're just like you know. And it was really great because, you know, it was a laboratory. So we were given the permission to kind of like just keep Going at the pace that we needed to go at to make the discoveries that we needed to make, um, so there's things like breakfast beverage, you know, like and really creating it as specifically as you possibly could, and really feeling it in your hands and really smelling it and really pasting it and really like you know <laughs> and then uh and then we would immediately journal about it, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Now write down in your after journal exactly what that experience is like and what it gave you. Um, you know. Yeah. And then uh, that instructor uh, would follow up with um, Susan Aston. Susan Aston was the instructor that year, and oh my God, she's like seriously to this day. There's so many things that she. Um, So many of her teachings still resonate with me today. I'm, like, just, like, beyond grateful that she was my first-year instructor. I can't, I -hmm. (laughs) I can't say enough nice things. She also was the one who had us through the Joy Journal, which I still do to this day. And, like, Mm -hmm. um, anyway. um, Anyway, so, where was I? I got totally sidetracked because I saw Susan's lovely face right in front of my imagination. Um, So, uh, what was I saying,
0: (laughs) That, that right after doing the exercise, you would journal about it.
2: Oh, yeah, we would journal about it. And the the phrasing that Susan used for it was like, um, when that, when that, the specificity of that exercise really resonated with you, what did you need? You know,
3: what did you what?
2: what What did you need? Need. You know, in that moment, what did you need? Did you need, a glass of water. How badly did you need that glass of water? Did you need somebody to tell you that they love you? Did you need a a comforting hand on your shoulder? Did you need, you know, specific, specific, right? Like, but, Mm -hmm. but she always put it in terms of like, what did you need? Not what was the emotion that came up? I see. Which again, like always put it into like a very practical kind of like, um, a more actionable sort of experience of it
0: right this is I mean, that thing of this is that thing that you know when they talk about uh, how like as an actor at least in 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 this kind of uh, philosophy you know that that you have to play objectives behaviors actions that that that, that just having an emotion is not is not enough. It's not, you can't, right. you can't play a moment that way or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So, interesting. Yeah, and I think so, also, like, tapping into the need of something, mm-hmm. I think, makes it a more specific experience rather than, rather than reading something and going, oh, this, this character is, is sad at this moment. Right. Um, just playing sad, <laughs> uh, leads to, like, much more general work.
1: Right.
2: Right. You know, and like everyone can do like a general wash of sad, but like you really want to put, um, and not indicate sad. Right. You know, uh, that's when the need comes into play. Well, I need, um, I need to see my dog. Who died when I was ten? You know, as an example, and then that sure. puts you right in that. Like, oh, that's a very specific kind of
0: experience, right? Yeah, no, it's it really is. I, I know this is very inter, intric, intricate and personal work, and but 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 just to get us an idea about what you know about what it's all about, it's it's definitely starting to make sense. Yeah, I understand. Um, very cool. Very cool indeed. Um, so, so any other, you know, particularly notable aspects of the, the training you got for your MFA that you, uh, that come to mind? I'm I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Say it one more time. No, it it was kind of, uh, I wasn't asking it very clearly. Uh, is there any are there any other particular memories or or aspects of the training you received at uh, your MFA program that that stand out for you
2: uh yeah i mean so many um <laughs> so many yeah. uh I, during my first year at uh at that program um, Susan gave us a, a character development assignment
1: mm-hmm. that
2: had a had a writing aspect to it. Like we had to write the character's bio, and then we were writing, and then we wrote a monologue as the character,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and then we
2: performed them and worked on, you know, all that stuff. But it was in uh, it was during that uh, exercise that I actually went up to Susan and I was like what would I have to do to change my track to playwriting? (laughs) Ah. I was like, I was definitely having that like ping, ping, back and forth between like
1: the two
2: very distinct parts of myself at that point in time. Um, and, uh, um, sadly I, you know, what was entailed in changing track would have meant I would have had to exit the program entirely and reapply the playwright and start over. Mm -hmm. And so I just decided, well, I'll I'll just continue on on the acting track. But, like, um, I definitely got, like, re-bitten by the writing bug while I was studying acting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, that stands out for sure.
0: Um, Well, we never really talked about, we never talked about when the writing component did start for you, uh, I, you know, when, when did you start writing? Uh,
2: um, really, if I go back to it, I started writing in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, if I go back to it, I started writing in junior high.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Except really, if I go back to it, I started writing in elementary school. <laughs> like, Like, at the core, like, I think I've always written.
0: Sure. Um, well, let let me, let me phrase it more specifically. When did you start thinking about writing plays?
2: Oh, that was when I was in, um, undergrad. Okay. I took a, I took a playwriting class with, um, with Wolf, uh, who was one of the original writers and creators of the show, *Laughing*. Oh, wow. Um, and uh so I took a playwriting class with Digby Wolf and I was like, uh what is this thing? And then um that playwriting class he partnered us up with people um or he partnered us up or we anyway, we ended up I ended up partnering up with uh someone who's now I um, you know, a still very dear friend of mine, um Natasha Lee Martin. <laughs> oh, I know <laughs> and she you. And we became it. really really great friends. Yeah, you know Natasha. Um, Anyway, so she and I became, like, really, really great friends and writing partners in undergrad. And uh, we just loved writing with each other so much because it was like we <laughs> just would crack each other up and we would stay up until, like, Lord knows what time, um, you know, just writing ridiculous uh, comedy sketches and scripts and mm-hmm. um, all of that. And then uh, so that was the beginning of it, which was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then I don't know, like, I, I don't know what happened. I kind of just like forgot about the writing for a really long time until, um, like I was always journaling and all of that stuff, but, um, I forgot about the writing for a really long time until I then got into, uh, graduate school and then it was like, oh, oh, there it is. I forgot about this element. It's Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about the writing. Um, you know, uh, you know, you were in this MFA program and, you know, you were getting the, the detailed training for the acting techniques and so forth. When it comes to the writing, uh, when you write a play, uh, specifically, you might, you know, or, or, or any kind of script, I guess, um, you know, do, do you, do you have any specific you know, techniques or, or, you know, methods or anything? Or do you just kind of, is it just, uh, sort of an instinctive thing for you?
2: Um, I feel like it's an instinctive thing for me that is also informed by, um, the things that I learned from Digby and also informed by all of my improv training and acting
1: training. Right. Um,
2: so I don't know, uh, I frequently the experience that I have when I sit down to write something is that I'm basically I'm improvising
0: on the page. Mm-hmm. And what what were some of those things that you that you took got from that playwriting course?
2: What were some of the things that I took? Well, <laughs> I'm laughing because like the big thing that I took out of the course was um uh. Two big things that I took out of that course. One was perceived reality, and the other is real reality. So it's ah, like, okay. you know, on one level there's the perceived reality of what's happening, and then at which moments during the script does the real reality
0: come into play?
2: You know, you're um, gonna have to, you're gonna have
0: to explain that one.
2: Well, I'm not sure if I can in a very concise way, actually. Okay. So there's like. There's kind of what's happening on the surface, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, there's, the, you know, those moments of, like, what's happening on the surface, what, what are the words that are being said versus what is, the, what are the things that are really wanting to be said that are going to find time to, like, make themselves known. Sure. So, text versus subtext is the, is the way that it resonated for me. Oh, okay. Um, that might not be what was intended by that. <laughs> like, it's impossible that that's not what the instructor meant by that, but that was what I took from it. Well, um, cool. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah. And then, uh, what was the second thing? Um, oh, he, uh, <laughs> big um, at one point, uh, had said something to me that really two things to me that really resonated. One was that, uh, so I had gone in to pitch an idea to him for whatever project for the class. I'd gone into his office, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting down, and I'm telling him this whole story that I have in mind for this next script that I'm going to write.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And like, whatever details I'm telling him, but I'm t- going through and telling him, like, this is the story. this is, These are the characters. This is what happens. This is this. And he stops me about halfway through my, my description and he says, is it a comedy or a drama? And I paused and I looked at him and I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking, haven't you heard anything I've said? Right. Like, <laughs> it's a drama. Like, right. obviously, right? Yeah. So what I said to him was, well, it's a drama. Like, but, you know, in my mind, I'm going, duh. <laughs> right. Right. And he looks at me and he very, very politely kind of like shakes his head and looks at me and says, no, no, it's a comedy. Mm. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> People die. It's a drama. Mm-hmm. And and Digby says to me, no, no. If you're writing it, it's a comedy. <laughs> and I was like, at the time, I was so offended. <laughs> and then, like, I, there was one other time that he said something else to me where he said that I wasn't I wasn't uh, really prepared to go deep into the emotional truth of a situation and whatever the thing was that I was writing.
1: And again, I got
2: horribly offended. I was like, what is he
1: talking about?
2: Like, yeah. first, it was like, what is he talking about? I write comedy. I don't write comedy. I write comedy. I'm writing gut-wrenching drama. Like, what? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and then the other thing of him saying, like, I wasn't really ready to go into, like, the emotional truth of a thing. Um, those two things have come back into my, like, realm of experience. I can't even tell you how many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, he was right. <laughs> hmm I, like have these experiences and go. Okay, all right, all right. You were right. You were right. I
0: was. Uh, I was being a brat. Like, I, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be clear. Like you, oh, to 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 do the honest, the honest uh, analysis of of the emotional reality of of something.
2: Well, to really, like, if a script is going a certain way and the characters are having a certain experience,
1: mm-hmm. to, like,
2: honor that and keep letting it go to the gut of the emotional oh, truth
1: okay. rather
2: than okay. dancing around it. And a lot of
0: what I was doing was, like, dancing around it.
1: <laughs> I see. And that's ironic
0: since you said the whole thing you wanted from your MFA acting program was to get, to get to the deeper gut of things, so there you go. Yeah,
2: exactly right. So did knew? He knew early on.
0: <laughs> Amazing. But well, what else, what else did he mean by when he said, "No, no, no"? If you're writing this, it's a comedy. What What did he mean by that? What was What was the lesson of that?
2: Well, I think what he meant was just like my natural sort of like perception of the world around me is just slightly. Oh, okay.
1: uh, Right. quirky. <laughs> sure. So
2: like if I'm really writing from my own truth that there's gonna be a lot of comedy involved
1: just gotcha. because like yeah. I,
2: <laughs> I have this like slightly wackadoo like
0: <laughs> sense of things. So um and, yeah, no. And when it comes to writing, are, are you a disciplined writer I mean can you sit down and write you know for many hours or all day without getting distracted are you are you able to really like treat it like a like a task to really focus on over a long period of time
2: um you know if I'm on a deadline then yes Mm
0: -hmm.
2: (laughs) if I'm not on a deadline then no discipline goes out the window so Like what I've learned about myself, and I continue to learn about myself. It's an ever-growing process. <laughs> well, of course, that's true for all of
1: us,
3: right? Um, uh, I um, I need
2: to start. I need to start and also restart uh, setting deadlines for myself, even if it would self-imposed deadlines. I think would be would be a very useful thing. I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. gonna <laughs> I I get this done by this time, and I'm gonna stick to it. And you know, but I get I
1: I'm
0: not no. <laughs>
2: like okay. I said. And what about
0: how you sort of formulate the overall idea for a piece? Do you tend to do you tend to come up with like the characters first and make it more of a character based exploration or Or do you have, like, do you start with, like, a plot outline? How do you, you know, what's your, what's your initial, you know, framework for starting work on a, for starting to write a play? Um, I, I write very character driven
2: things. Um, like, I usually spend a a decent amount of time doing, um, character development. Mm -hmm. Uh, before I even sit down to write the
1: mm-hmm.
2: Um, I like really like to flesh out well, who are these people. Like, let's find out who they are, and then and then I sort of like introduce them to each other.
1: <laughs> like, right? Okay, oh yeah.
2: Time for you guys to meet. Let's find out what happens. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um,
2: yeah, um, but then like other times, something. Other times it'll be a, a slightly different. Um, slightly different sort of, like, approach to a piece, where, like, I'll hear a a line of dialogue, Mm -hmm. and then I'll just go,
1: oh,
2: well, that's the opening line of dialogue. Let me write the thing. (laughs) Right. You know, so, um, or I'll be out and about on, like, whatever daily thing I'm doing, and I'll hear a little, little something of somebody saying,
1: yeah. whatever,
2: like a sound bite, and I'll be like, huh. Yeah. And somehow it'll stick with me, so I'll go home and I'll write like a thing yeah. that's all centered around that one statement.
1: Yeah, I love that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll go back and like take another look at it and think, okay, well, this is what I wrote. Now, who are the characters? <laughs> so like sometimes it's all just very dialogue driven and not, but then I go back and I refine it and I you know, put more depth to it, but um Yeah. Generally speaking I write uh from character first and then
0: very cool. Yep, yep, no, I get it. Um so, uh we're continuing to to jump around, which is totally fine. You know, I uh <laughs> I, I I I you know again, you, yeah, shit <laughs> We, we, we could talk for hours about so many different things, which, which is great. And, you know,
1: yeah, could, totally.
0: you can come back on any time you want. But um, so uh, let's get back to sort of the, the progression chronologically for you. So you you graduate from the new school, you get your MFA, you're in New York City. Uh-huh. What's, the next, what's the next step for you at that point? What, what, ha- what's, what, what do you do at that point?
2: Uh, at that point I just started hitting the audition circuit and, um, auditioning for anything and everything that I could get my foot in the door for. Um, I was non-union at the time, so I was was going to a lot of non-union auditions, but and, and then I was also trying to crash union auditions. So, um, so I was doing all of it. Uh, and, uh. Straight out of grad school, I got cast in a show, uh, <laughs> that played out of town, oh. um, and it was, it was a super fun show,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and I, it was a, like, I got to play this really fun character, um, um <laughs> and it was, anyway, it was like, it was a, it was mostly scripted and left it open for a little bit of improv, um. And, uh, and there was like singing and dancing and, you know, it was a, it was a super fun show. Oh. Um, it was a non-union show mm-hmm. and, uh, whatever the, the producer, uh, at the time, um, decided to end the, uh, to cut short the run of the show. Um, oh. because it, uh, for whatever reason, just like he. he pulled the plug on the show um and uh i was dating someone at the time who was a union actor and you know had been acting for acting professionally for many more years than i had and um so we the show was out of town so everybody had sublet their apartment and gone to do this show out of town the plug gets pulled on the show early (laughs) And we all kind of went, you know, the producer said you're welcome to stay in the housing that we've provided for you and just like, you know, right. stay here, but That's like good. we're not going
1: to do the so. show. Right.
2: But, you know, which also that we weren't going to get paid. Right.
1: <laughs> right, of course.
2: So, That's I go back right. to, to New York. Mm-hmm. And I called my brother. <laughs> Well, first I called my brother before I went back to New York. I called my brother, and I was like, hey, so they pulled the plug on the show, um, and I have sublet my apartment. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I can't take out my subletters. Um, can I come stay with you? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, thank God for family, right? Because, like, I don't know what I would have done. Um So, I basically, I went back to New York, and I stayed with my brother for a little stretch of time. And, um, was talking to the guy that I was dating at the time, um, and telling him what happened. And he says to me, you know, if you were in the union, this wouldn't have happened. Right. And I was like, what?
1: <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah.
2: Cause I didn't know, I didn't know much about union, yeah. non-union at the time. I like, mean, you know, I, I spent, you. I spent, yeah, yeah. Because I had spent so much of my time, uh, In school and training,
1: yeah,
2: which is super important, but, like, I had zero, like, real-world acting experience, really. Um, So I didn't understand. Anyway, he said to me, you know, if you were in the union, this wouldn't have happened. And then he explained it further, that, like, if you were in the union, they would have had to buy you out of the rest of your contract. Right. So you still would have made that income. And I was like, and this light bulb went off for me, and I was like, I must get into the union, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: like, that was it, so that was the breaking point for me where I was like, I never again am I gonna put myself in this type of situation um and uh, so I kind of went on a war path to get into the union at that point, and uh um, which I did mm-hmm.
0: um <laughs> how did you how
2: did
1: you
0: end up getting your equity card? That's a
1: good question. I got my
2: equity card. <laughs> <laughs> by working um a dinner theater contract mm-hmm. uh at a place called the Jekyll and Hyde club
3: <laughs> oh of course yeah
2: in new york city um it was a it was a a Jekyll and Hyde themed restaurant mm-hmm. that hired actors to be the entertainment so there was the wait staff and there were the actors and they were at the time they were on in uh they were on a different theater contract with Actors Equity. Yeah, so, remember
1: um, this, yep.
2: And, uh, somebody, one of my friends from grad school, uh, had told me, cause she'd heard that I was, you know, on the warpath to get my equity card. <laughs> She's like, <laughs>
1: uh,
2: go audition.
1: <laughs> I'm
2: like, fun so fast about Cooper's mission to get equity. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> extra extra read all about it. Cooper's trying to right, get
1: the right. union.
0: Today's I know, big, right? Today's big story.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um
2: you know, um so uh so anyway, so this friend says to me, Well, you have to go audition for the Jekyll and Hyde Club because they hire improvisers. I mean, that's the thing. Right. I was like, Wait, you can get your equity card by being an improviser? <laughs> Yeah. He was like he was like, You're perfect for this job. It's very you create a character and it's very character driven and it's all improv. mm
1: mm-hmm.
2: And I was like, All right. So I go to the audition and uh whatever they had us do whatever um improv exercises they had us do and one of the uh things they had us do in the audition is I'm trying to go back there. One of the things they had us do in this audition was like they gave us 30 seconds on the clock to do as many distinct characters as we could. Wow. Like a game show. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember how many different characters I did in that amount of time, but, like, it it was super fun. I was like, great! (laughs) Right. And then uh, that was it, so I got my equity card. Um... Yeah, no. Now that you reminded me, I,
0: I know that there were that that was definitely one way people did it was through uh, through Jekyll and Hyde for sure. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So did you did you have to wear some crazy costume and makeup because it's like a horror thing,
1: right?
2: Yeah, I mean it was like kind of a horror thing, but a lot of the characters that they had that existed in that in that world were not necessarily scary characters.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Because it was also still, like, a very family-oriented place. And so, like, I, you know, <laughs> people, it was, like, tourists were coming and bringing their kids. and
1: Sure. You know.
2: So they weren't, um, no, the characters weren't really all that scary. They were really more just, like, how can we make this fun
1: for everyone? Gosh.
0: Gotcha. Um,
2: now, I had some I had really fun costumes, for nice. sure. Um, yeah.
0: Do you remember any particular ones?
2: Uh, well, let's see. I had two different characters that I remember playing. Um, one was, uh, don't oh, know, her first name was Dagmar. <laughs> um, I don't remember what her last name was. Anyway, she was, uh, Dr. Jekyll's, um, personal therapist. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, so the the fun thing about that job in particular was um the the guy that was the uh, director of, you know in charge of all the actors and he was hiring everyone blah 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 he called me up after my audition and said hey we really love you and we want to hire you but we don't have any characters uh still available for you to play
1: mm-hmm.
2: could you just create your own character. Right, and I was like, "Sure, what if I yeah. play Dr. Jekyll's therapist?" <laughs> oh, so you came up with this? So yeah, um, All right, cool. and he said, "Sure, that sounds great." So, uh, so anyway, that was her. It was Dagmar. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't remember her last name. Um. Anyway, she was, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, and then I decided she was, you know, from England, so I got to play around with doing an English accent at the time
0: for, you
2: know, just have fun, um, <laughs> which was loads of fun, because we know how much I love doing accents and dialects. Um, <laughs>
0: character voices.
2: Character voices and all that stuff. It was loads of fun, so... Um, but you know, of course, like the job was very interactive with the you know the patrons. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, I remember going up to this one table and starting this interaction with them, and they answered me back, and they were all from England.
1: Uh oh. And,
2: and then um one of the, the you know the one of the men that was sitting at the table then asked me what part of England
1: are you from? Yeah. And I said, well, what what part of England are you from? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he told me, and I said, well, I'm not from that. And I walked away.
1: <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> but anyway, so then I went home at the end of that day, and I was like, huh, maybe I should be a little more specific about where this character grew up so that I know, like, what accent am I actually doing? <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, that was, so that was right. and then the other one was I played a, I played a maid,
1: mm.
2: played a costume, uh, you know, the, that was super fun. Um, and then I just kind of decided like, cause we were kind of given like free reign about like, you know, what did we want to do? What characters did we want to do? As long as we were true to the character we created, you know? Nice and and uh, so I decided that since they were letting me play a maid, that she should be French. Sure.
1: Uh, um,
2: so I got to play around with my French accent, uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and that was super fun all the way up until the the point in time when there were actual French patrons at the then, <laughs> Once
1: Then, yeah.
2: So anyway, <laughs> I sort of then decided that like that character wasn't real great at socializing, so uh, (laughs) anytime anything happened that made her nervous, she would just start hitting herself over the head with her feather duster and run in the other direction. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Anyway, it was a weird sort of like...
1: No, it's great. The whole
2: world that was being created was a little like alternate reality kind of slightly askew. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? So like... (laughs) There wasn't necessarily the need to, um, you know, have your reactions to things necessarily make sense. (laughs) No. Right?
0: No, it's great, and you got your equity card. So, speaking of that, though, so, you know, totally understandable that you wanted it, as you said, but then, of course, what comes up for everybody is First, you have to pay all the initial fees and dues and everything. And now, mm-hmm. of course, you're limited to only getting union work. And, you yeah. know, you know, there's, you know, you know, some obviously at that point you did have a good amount of training and experience and whatever, but, you know, how was that for you? I mean, did you, did it, you know, did, did it take you a, lo- a long time to start getting more union work consistently? You know, what happened?
2: Yeah, huh. It was an interesting thing that happened, actually. So, um, and I don't know, um, what, I don't know what this means entirely. You know, everybody's experience is different, but what ended up happening for me was, um, so I got into the union, super thrilled, <laughs> got into the union. The big thing for me that, that, uh, that, that meant <laughs> was that uh, I no longer had to try to crash the audition, right? Which meant I didn't have to get up at like four in the morning yeah. in order to go yeah. see
1: my morning thing,
2: and maybe not be seen, you know? Oh yeah, this is come <laughs> so up that I could so this has
0: come up it. on the podcast many times. Yep, right.
2: So that was
0: huge, first of all,
2: <laughs> but. Okay, I'm going to tell you a side, another sidebar story. So, when I just the very first moment that I got the card,
1: mm-hmm.
2: the first thing I did was I went and I used the bathroom in the Equity Building. Sure, <laughs> all right. Because you weren't allowed past a certain point as a non-equity actor. So if you were in the equity building and waiting in the non-equity section, if you had to use the bathroom, you had to go outside the building and around to use the McDonald's (laughs) bathroom. Oh, they didn't even have a Any bathroom you could use? Wow. No, there was no non-equity bathroom. There was no, like, if you didn't use the bathroom in the equity building and you were non-union, you had to go to the McDonald's. Oh, jeez. Okay. Right. (laughs) So, anyway, so I got my equity card and the very first thing I did was I went and I used the bathroom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course. No, I get it. Yeah.
2: I was like, flashed that card to the desk attendant and went right on through.
0: <laughs> Very good.
2: So um so yeah. So but what was the real question? It's <laughs> not like, what was it like? Well I got to use the bathroom. Um It was uh, uh, what was it like? Uh it was challenging. Um it was challenging. And uh, as a byproduct of <laughs> as a byproduct of getting into the union, um, I actually ended up uh, ended up or started whatever, started doing a, a lot more improv and sketch comedy. Right, that
0: happens to people too. yeah. <laughs> um,
2: because the union didn't care about improv and sketch comedy. So because, like cabaret variety or whatever right? Well, Yeah, also what happens is they assume, they assume that because it's improv, there's no rehearsal involved. So there are no labor hours that they need to get
1: concerned about. Gotcha.
2: So, um, so yeah, so I, I just started, uh, doing a lot more improv and I, um, went and auditioned for, uh, an improv troupe in Manhattan called the Red Tie Mafia. And, uh, I was super
0: involved with them for a while. You, Red Tie! Well, this was around the time you and I met, yes, and and many people from my world of Gotham City Improv were were in the Red Tie Mafia. I thought that, yeah, I didn't didn't realize that that was, like, uh, around that same time for you, but yes. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, so, um... Yeah, uh, anyway, wow, small world, same kind full circle. Uh, that was how we met each other, right? It was because of Bedtime Mafia. Some,
0: so. some connection there, yep, something like that, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so anyway, and they were uh, an amazing group to be involved with and, and working with, and they were performing all over uh, Manhattan. They were performing at the Gotham Comedy Club. They were performing at the Living Theater. Um, it was just like, it was amazing. And then, um, the, uh, Michael Pauly was the artistic director of Red Tie Mafia at the time. And he also then did a, uh, a Commedia dell'arte show that he right. created with a lot of the members of the Red Tie. Yeah. And, um, that was an amazing experience. So then, like, anyway, there's just so many, so many super, super cool things happened, um, around that. And, um yeah so I ended up doing a lot more uh improv and sketch comedy um uh, and then also ended up doing a lot more film work because uh, I wasn't yet in the film union, so I wasn't in SAG, so anyway, so any of the other like creative opportunities that I could involve myself with while being slightly more limited in the opportunities you know that could only do unions so I was like oh well, what am I non-union in? Well, I'm not in the union in film yet, so I yeah. get more film experience, and I, I do need a demo reel for film, so yeah, let's just do all the, all the non-union film <laughs> projects. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I built up my resume that way, film-wise. Um, and, uh, yeah.
0: No, so and again, that okay. yeah, that, that's all very logical, and, 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 and a lot of people do that, but... You know, in terms of your equity membership, um, you know, did you get to do some some union theater with that? I mean, I'm just, my, my concern is that you paid these dues and stuff and didn't really get anything out of it.
2: Right. I did. Um, yeah. I did. Uh, not as much as, uh, you know, wasn't I wasn't doing as much union theater stuff as I initially probably thought that I would. But, right. And at the time, I was a little uh, sort of frustrated by that. I, I let it get me down, I, you know, a little bit, let it get me down. But um, at the same time, I was also being told by a lot of casting people and these audition, union auditions that I was going on and I was meeting with all these union uh not union sorry casting people and um agents and managers and blah 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 blah, blah. and everyone was telling me um that I was really good <laughs> you know they're like wow thank you for coming in and doing your work right right like and the work that I was bringing to the table was being received really well and everyone was saying like you're you're really good and we just like um who just don't have anything for you. Yeah. You know. And it didn't feel like uh like it was platitudes, you know, it really felt like a sincere mm. You're really good, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I had one casting director say to me, like, um, you're really good. You're also in this like uh phase with your work where you're probably not going to hit until you're older. Mm. And I I didn't get what that meant really.
1: Yeah. Except
2: that I was sort of, again, it was frustrating. I was like, well, what do I do in the meantime?
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Totally. um,
2: uh, But basically what it meant was (laughs) the, the energy that I was bringing into a room and the work that I was doing, um, that energy was reading as older than what my physical package was presenting. Right. So there was this kind of, like, disconnect casting-wise for right. me.
1: Right. Um,
2: so, uh, so yeah, like, I was frustrated with the whole, I'm yeah. not getting any work. But at the same time, I was like, all right, well, let's just keep just keep doing it because this is what your soul needs and this is what your spirit needs. So just like find a way to do what you love doing. Um, and, uh, and at the time also like, I think also your question was like the concern about like paying all the money to get into the union, but then not working. Yeah. Um, uh, I never really let that kind of sink in, in terms of the financial Investment of it. It was like because I knew I needed to be in the union,
0: and that was the end
2: of it for me. So I was like, all right, I need to be in. Okay, also, I was meeting with I was also meeting with um, agents and managers who, prior to my getting in the union, there were a lot of people that were saying to me, "Well, if you want to be taken seriously as an actor, you need to get in the union." Right. If you want agents and managers to take you seriously, you have to get you have to have a union affiliation on your resume, otherwise they're not going to take you seriously.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was sort of it just kind of felt to me like being in the union, even even though I wasn't working.
1: <laughs> right. um,
2: it still felt like it gave me a stronger footing within the industry.
0: Then, no, I understand. And you know, you know, all these things are, you know unfortunately they are the realities of the acting business. It's 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 paradoxical and it's it's not um it, it there's really no necessarily any justice to it. It's it's just a very random, confusing uh you know, industry and you're not going to get an easy answer or an easy path in it. But, but that's just the way it works. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and like, you know, the thing is too, to just that. I keep in mind is (laughs) things present themselves and paths present themselves as they're meant to, and you're ready for them.
1: Right. You know,
2: and I really fully believe that. So, like, I wouldn't have ended up um, doing as much improv and sketch comedy and, and meeting all of those wonderful people, and I wouldn't have had those experiences, and I wouldn't have built up my film resume, and I wouldn't have, you know. And then, once I left New York and uh, ended up going back to St. Louis, um, I got into sag Astra <laughs> working as an actor in St. Louis. Right. So, like, and that was super surprising because who would have thought that, like, who would have thought that if I removed myself from New York and moved to the Midwest, I would get my sad card.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you just never know. You you
2: never know. So all of those, like, the the windy, curvy road that things take you on, I think it's, like, just staying open to things. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you are an excellent example of, you know, sticking to, you know, the idea that, or the reality that, you know, this is a journey and yeah. it's ongoing and you've decided to have this life as an artist and, and it, it's very impressive and, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, despite all the challenges and all the randomness of it, uh, it's still a great life and it's still a unique life, it seems to me. You still seem to be really enjoying it, so.
1: Yeah.
2: I am really enjoying it. Good. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, I think it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I have so many things to say. Um, as <laughs> Yeah. Um,
0: but it is really
2: uh, a pursuit that, um, for me, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I kind of almost like don't know how I would navigate through the world without having that creative
1: right. outlet.
2: Whatever it is, whether it's acting or writing or teaching acting or right. directing or any of that stuff, like without that, you know, without at least one foot still dipped in that that pursuit I don't I just
0: don't
2: I wouldn't know who I am
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> believe no. me well even I understand listen for me I had to you know well I, I never did it the right way anyway but but I um I did a lot of things and I had a lot of fun and then you know sort of naturally I got away from it for for quite a few years and now, even though I'm living a very different life and I'm not focused on it, I have the same impulses. I need. I still need something. That's why I started this podcast. That's why I started writing. That's why I am yeah. actually producing small plays again. Actually, I didn't tell you that, but I am. So uh, I always end up back to it in some way eventually. So, yes, I get it.
2: <laughs> yeah, right?
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good note to go out on. We're going to wrap this up. Again, this is an ongoing conversation. You are welcome to come back anytime. We'll we'll oh, always you we'll always have more ground to cover. But again, I think you are a very you're a great example of someone who has who has you know chosen to to be an artist and has has really um you know I, I, like I said I think you embodied the artistic life. You know, it's not. I don't mean this to say that you haven't had success, I know you have, but Mm -hmm. it's hard. You're not everybody's gonna have a lot of big commercial success or one big break or whatever. Most actors and artists are like you, just, you just keep going. What's the next thing? What's the next project? This, that, different, different things that you do, you know. But I think you're a great example of that you've just kept chugging, chugging along and, and and done so many things, and still are, and it's, uh, you know, it's great. Yeah.
2: Well, and ultimately it's just because, like, it's what makes me happy, you know. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, but I can't, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you, oh, if you okay. can't enjoy, and I'm not saying, it, it is not easy, but if you can't at least somewhat enjoy the journey and enjoy the process and, you know, enjoy the things you do get to work on, you know, whatever right. they are, um, then, then you're going to have a tough, uh, a tough road in this, uh, in this field. Yeah, it's so true. And there's, and there's no rules about how to do it. There's a million ways to do it. Everybody's got a different thing. Some people, I'm sorry, I'm getting onto my little soapbox now. No, my, please, my, this is really great. It's all true stuff. So. You know, some people. Have totally different regular daytime, you know, corporate careers, but still manage to be artists on the side. So there's no, yeah. there's no one way. There's no rules about how to do it, and uh, you true. know, it's which which is great, actually. It really is. So yeah. anyway, on that note, Cooper, you rock. It is always so much fun to talk to you. Thank you. Oh for yeah, thank on. you. Um, we will do it again. And, um, uh, we already mentioned at the end of part one, your, uh, social media handles and the links and things that we were going to post. So I will post all that in the episode notes. And, um, is there anything else you want to, you want to mention before we close up for the day?
2: (laughs) Um, hmm. Is there, uh, yeah, actually, could I do like, just like a shameless
0: plug? Of course. That's what I mean. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Two shameless plugs. So um, I've mentioned in the previous podcast that uh, I had done Scripted Toronto um, yep. in conjunction with Process Theater. Scripted Toronto is uh, expanding and blossoming and growing, wow. and uh, they are now doing a Scripted Brussels. Wow. And um, I have been asked to spearhead a Scripted Los Angeles. So um, to keep your eyes peeled for that. <laughs> um Things are in development and it's super exciting. Um, and uh, the second thing with plug is that I have a uh, um, project that I wrote and directed that is currently in post production. So keep
1: your eyes for
2: too. So, yeah, yeah. So, a uh, film project that I wrote and directed that's in post production. So.
0: Well, uh, once that is uh, available, you'll let me know where and we'll, we'll talk about yes, that. I, I, and- post that info and yes you did mention last time about the scripted los angeles thing that's so great and like i said i will post the link for the process theater and i guess more information on that will will come out there uh when when the time comes right yes yes
2: yes for sure um so <laughs> it's, it's super exciting because like what started as scripted toronto is now becoming scripted international because like so cool it's coming to los angeles and it's going to breath
1: holes
0: and all sorts of things. stuff. And again, that's another example of it never stops. There's always people creating stuff. There's always different festivals and opportunities. It's it's so wonderful. Um yes. uh, very, very cool. All right, and again, for those uh, listening, uh, if you want to reach me about the podcast for any reason, it's just craft business life podcast, all one word at gmail.com. And uh, this podcast is always free and completely free and ad-free and always will be. But if you want to support, uh, you can at our GoFundMe page, which um, it'll be up by the time people are listening to this. <laughs> it was down, but it's going to be back up. But it's uh, GoFundMe.com slash CraftBusinessLifePodcast. And that's just a voluntary donation thing if you wish to support us. Uh, but you certainly don't have to. Um, and that is it. Cooper, thank you again. Thanks everybody. Thank yeah, you.
1: Absolutely. Until next time. Bye bye.